Hey folks, Brian O'Halloran here, and you're listening and watching to the Below the Belt Show. Well, guys, it was great talking to Jeff Anderson of Clerks fame. And uh, more to come here on Below the Belt Show and click on this. Any show that's called Below the Belt Show, I'm on. Yes! I very rarely do yes! these things, but, man, you yes! call something Below the Belt, yes! I'm there. Nice. The Below the Belt Show is closed captioned for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. That's right, guys. It's time for another episode of BTB. Below the belt in the mother effing house. I'm your host, Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto, your host with the most here for your weekly pleasure. It's another 18 show with two of BTB's greatest. That's right. Back during the Vietnam War. Um, <laughs> I forgot how that went. Many years ago, uh, during the Vietnam War, an elite group were convicted for a crime they did not commit. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and introduce <laughs> that. Damn by- it, now this is going to really bug me. Do you remember that like voice open for the A-Team? Yeah, yeah. Chachi actually made a reference to the A-Team that uh, myself, you, and... Uh, and and Chachi were the eighteen, but he wanted to be B. A. Baracus. Well, I'm obviously Face Man. Oh, you're gonna be like, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna take the good looking guy, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. Who else would I be? Murdoch. <laughs> Murdoch or or, or Hannibal. Hannibal uh, but nonetheless, yeah. you're, uh, you're you're definitely Hannibal, Al. I could say that. <laughs> you're like the glue. Okay, you're, all right. That analogy you've got, a, you've, got a, you've got a very George Papard energy to you. I could, <laughs> I could, I could totally go. I could totally go with okay, that. Okay, okay. Well, should we introduce you to the listening audience? Sure That's thing. Right. He is the Persian prince of pop culture, and it's been a minute uh, since he's been on BTV. <clears throat> he's also the man with a calming presence, and um, the one and only uh, Mike the General Zod back on BTB. Back on BTB. So I gotta I gotta say the uh, well as always it is an indubitable pleasure to to be on the show because you know otherwise what else would I do with my time and it would uh, you know it's been it's been like about a month or so since I've been on it's and, been a little while it's been a it's yeah been a long time yeah we've been wanting wanting to have the Zod show yeah um, and and because we're coming. Just coming back from a great holiday weekend, Fourth of July, mm-hmm. um, I thought it'd be best to uh, forego the the 
the uh, special celebrity call-in tonight. Um, not to mention the fact we're just coming out of holiday could be difficult, but uh, just focus on General Zod's amazing <laughs> interviews from Awesome Con DC. That's yeah, right. dare, dare I say it, they are awesome. I, I got to admit, you ruled that uh, day two of Awesome Con, Zod, because we... Uh, we attended all three days. BTB represented all three days. But Zod, um, the upcoming interviews that you're going to hear tonight from General Zod include comic book artist extraordinaire Amanda Connor from the pages of Harley Quinn, best known for her uh, work on Harley Quinn. Also, writer Jimmy Palmiotti. He was a really, really talkative and interesting guy. He he said some <laughs> like because he he was uh, he had a lot to say about the current state of the comic industry, which was pretty yeah. fascinating. I, I can't, we can't wait for our listeners to hear uh, stellar stellar interviews with two uh, great uh, creators in the comic book world. Not only that, you interviewed our favorite cosplayer, Lainey Fenimore. I just wanted to be near her. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> and if that's an excuse to be, then hell, I'll do it. And last but not least, one of the stars of Sabrina, the teenage witch, Beth Broderick. Yeah, wow, she, that's a that's a big one, Zod. Yeah, she was she was really really fun to talk to. Also, I mean, it's uh, it was so interesting getting that kind of uh, getting kind of a different perspective because. You know, she was already a pretty well-established actress, like classical actress for a lot of years before she got this fame. I mean, it was kind of like uh, got this fame from Sabrina. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like, you know, she was telling me about, well, I'll I'll leave it for when the when the interviews play. But yeah, I learned some really like she's a she actually was part of something kind of historically significant in the early 80s, which I was a big, was really, really surprised about, especially when considering she did it at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And uh, I won't spoil it because I want you to hear the interview, but it was, it was wild to hear. And she still looks really good for God. She's got to be 60. She's actually (laughs) 63. Yep. Yeah. Yep, best known for playing Zelda Spellman in Sabrina Teenage Witch, also appeared on Lost, the ABC mystery drama, Under the Dome on CBS, and has such a a, a large body of work. Um, she's <clears throat> been in the industry since the 80s and still mm-hmm. um, still acting today. So, so that was awesome. So the, the, uh, those interviews, all those interviews will be played uh, for your weekly pleasure tonight. And... Uh, Without further ado, let's just get right into it, guys. Uh, lots okay. of stuff going on in the world of entertainment. So here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. Yeah, buddy. That's Hollywood. Benji and Joel. Pop Punk is making a comeback, man. I'm so happy uh, that it is, uh, you know, uh, bands like Good Charlotte paved the way. But, you know, mm-hmm. MGK, Machine Gun Kelly actually changed genres to Pop Punk just to, yeah. just to do something new. And, uh, wow, it's uh, pretty cool. But uh, nonetheless, guys, um, let's talk about the box office. 
Minions, the rise of Gru. This is a. Uh, I'm sure General Zod will be taking the little Zods too. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> haven't, haven't quite gotten around to that, but right. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, like, what is this? Like the third, fourth Minions movie apart from the Despicable Me franchise? Isn't that what yeah. this is? I'm not sure. It's the fifth uh, and latest installment of the Despicable Me, and it's made 108.5 million. So yes, that uh, yeah, that makes it the number one movie at the box office coming in in uh number two wow can you believe top gun maverick still at the top of the box office yeah that's uh i mean that that shows the uh the amount of quality i mean it top gun maverick kind of fits that sweet spot where it's something recognizable which kind of like pulls at the nostalgia strings but it's also like a quality quality production it is a fantastic film yeah but uh, I think a little bit had to do with the July Fourth weekend. People were feeling kind yeah of patriotic, maybe to see something in that in that ilk, you know. Um, uh, I'm not entirely sure how patriotic I was feeling, but it's <laughs> a um, yeah. That, but that's a that's a conversation for a very different type of podcast. Of <laughs> and, uh, we will. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely fits in with the you know, with the season and with the, with the holiday. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, which is a film I promised to myself I will watch this week is Elvis. That's Baz Luhrmann's uh, musical biopic of the king of rock and roll. I'd like um, to we, see it. Do you want to go yeah, see it? Yeah, we, we got to put that on the movie list. So, yeah. So um, Austin Butler, if you didn't know, uh, Zod uh, interviewed with us at New York Comic Con uh, back in 2016, when he was on a show called The Shannara Chronicles, um, and man, I had no idea this guy would be uh, A-list, you know, um, starring opposite Tom Hanks in this Elvis biopic. It just goes to show you, you never know who you're talking to, you know. Um, yeah. They, they could be the next, uh, next A-lister that maybe trying to get Austin Butler on Below the Belt show now would be very, very difficult. Uh, but back then, you know, we were at New York Comic Con. We talked to him. So yeah. I thought that was really well, cool. We're, we're such hipsters. We have uh, we have yeah. all the people on before we're cool. Before the, before exactly. We're cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely right. Uh, fourth place and fifth place, respectively, Jurassic World Dominion and The Black Phone, which... Uh, Myself and General Zod, we got to check out the Black Phone finally. Very, very uh, movie to watch. That was a, I really, really, I mean, I, I'm sure you talked about it last week, right? We alluded to it a little bit last week, yeah, but we, maybe your take, Zod, would be uh, worth mentioning. Well, one of the things I really, really liked about it, and I think it, it, it probably says something about my movie watching habits now, mm-hmm. but... I hadn't seen a movie like that in the theaters in a long, long time. Like wow. I couldn't, I couldn't even remember the last time I saw a kind of a, you know, an, you know, low budget thriller in the theaters. Um, gosh, um, would you call it low budget though? I, I still think it was it had a substantial budget, um, considering you know the. It is a period piece. Number one, number two. Those are those those tend to be very expensive. And of course, uh, you're getting uh, some of the star power 
with Ethan Hawke. You know? Ethan Hawke, yeah. Ethan Hawke is the, you know, far is obviously the um, the most recognizable, uh, the most recognizable star in it. Okay, so maybe that's not the right thing to do is call it low budget, but seeing a like a thriller, that kind of thriller, which um, you know, it's not a it's not a big blockbuster. It's not superheroes. It's not sci-fi. And um, it's also not like the last time I saw a non superhero movie in the theaters was um, I guess when I saw the French Dispatch last okay. fall. <laughs> but even with that, the reason why I went to see it is because I love Wes Anderson and I love okay. his movies. Superhero movies take precedence, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess that's a good segue to. Uh what is sure to rule the box office for at least two weeks Zod, is thor love and thunder mm-hmm. btb will be in the house i'm uh, checking it out tomorrow night yes we will um this is the fourth um thor film um so this is yeah this is the first mcu film to make it to number four right or solo that is because avengers had five films but uh yeah, the first of the solo superhero movies to have on. Yeah, it was, well, there's been four. Were there? No, there's only been three MCU Spider-Man movies. Right. Um, right. So yeah, yeah, I guess this, so. This is the one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, ex- uh, expected to bring anywhere from 100, $145 million to $155 million over the weekend, maybe even as high as $170 million. Um, no surprise there. Um uh, if if it hits that, um, but we'll have to see and find out. And I'm so much anticipation for Thor: Love and Thunder. Zod. I mean, this is. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the Doctor Strange film was was fine. You know, I think uh, Jesse Fresco uh, uh, his term of fine applies because it wasn't blow your socks off amazing. Um, but <laughs> I let's see. It. I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Doctor you enjoyed it? Yeah, I yeah. thought it was a fine film. It, it was, I thought it was enjoyable. Fine. I enjoyed. Really? Like, I enjoyed the the Sam Raimi flourishes. I enjoyed okay. how like bloodthirsty it was and how it did like get bloodthirsty. Yeah. yeah. But you know this thing about Love and Thunder, it's going back to the comedic roots of of Titi, uh, and of course we saw that in Ragnarok. So. Um, so yeah, we're really looking forward to it. So, um, but, um, I guess, uh, moving on to the top, uh, of the BTB list here on entertainment, uh, Warner brothers announced theatrical plans for two high profile films. One is Dune part two. Uh, mm-hmm. it's now getting pushed to November 17th, 2023. So it'll be like the big Thanksgiving movie. Also, the next Godzilla Kong film, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, will uh, um, will uh, will be uh, will hit theaters in March of 2024. So those are two big Warner Brothers films. But you know, I'm more excited about what's number two on my list side, and that's Clerks Three. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. what! A fun trailer. This is the third installment uh, to Kevin Smith's cult film classic um, from Lionsgate. Um, and it's a continuation of, you know, in the view askew universe. Um, and uh, I think this is where Kevin Smith shines in the view askew universe. Um, he certainly had some great films outside that universe, but uh, 
I, I'm just really excited. It has a lot of nostalgia. Um, of course, you know, Jay and Silent Bob, you know, uh, and of course, Randall and uh, and Dante. But then you have like Elias, Becky, played by Rosario Dawson, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and a lot of returning and a lot of like <clears throat> other uh, major based on the trailer, a lot of major actors um, coming out for this film, like Justin Long. Um, who else did we see in that trailer? There was a whole bunch, man. There was a whole bunch of, uh, of folks that made the appearance in that trailer. Um, I didn't see Ben Affleck though. Conspicuous by his absence. I think he's going to yeah. be kind of the, kind of like that big, you know, surprise appearance, um, uh, in the clerks three film. Um, but yeah, I'm just, man, I am so excited. Um, I really hope that they, they, they don't get tame, you know, with their humor because, you know, we're in a different, oh, I doubt that they will. I mean, we're in a different era now, Zod, you know, where everything has to be, uh, politically correct to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, you know, um, but, um, yeah, let's see really quick because I saw some really, really big names uh, in this uh, cameo. Um, let's see if I can pull it up. I mean, really, really cool cameos. Oh, wait, Ben Affleck makes the cameo in the Clerks trailer. Okay, so he was in the trailer. Oh, wow. Okay. Was wow. Matt Damon in it too? I, I got to admit, I haven't seen the trailer yet. So okay, that's pretend, quite all right. But I'm going to pretend to follow along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I need to. Now I need to see the trailer. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic, man. Because, um, um, yeah, I mean, we, we waited quite a while. I mean, wow, 1994 was the original Clerks, and then 2005 was Clerks 2, mm-hmm. and then Clerks 3, wow, 2022. So <laughs> they're really spacing out <laughs> those yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. But they're 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 official sequels of of that film. So, um, who else is making a cameo? I know there's some other big ones. I um, some of them. Okay, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Fred Armisen, um, and of course Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I see them in there. They're um. I'll have to actually watch the trailer <laughs> to to know the context of it, but it looks like yeah. they're doing like some kind of like confessional reality show type thing. Yeah, it's basically a movie with they're a movie. So um, basically, uh, Randall has a scare, a okay. heart attack scare, which is kind of mirrored from uh, Kevin's um, real life situation because you know Kevin had a a heart attack that sat that that really uh he's very lucky to be alive you know that could have uh, taken mm-hmm. him um and he wrote that into the script of clerks three but instead of you know bob having it it's randall and you know recovering in the hospital he decides to make a movie about clerks uh while recovering in the uh in the hospital so uh so it's yeah. basically kevin smith it's like gonna be semi-autobiographical in that sense yeah i mean it's not again it's not silent bob it's gonna be randall but uh yeah it's gonna be a fun film and of course they had them playing like uh you know field hockey in the on the roof of the of the building um right reminiscent of the uh uh the original uh original (laughs) film um, but yeah, overall, I'm really excited, man. I, I can't wait to see uh, this film. Um, all right, moving on, man. Number three, 
Amsterdam. So this is oh, wow, amazing. This trailer is David Russell's um, highly anticipated film. Um, it's it's actually 20th Century Studios, Disney, and New Regency Productions um, collaboratively, and it's basically three friends. One of my favorites is Margot Robbie. Uh, also, John David Washington, who is uh, Denzel's son, mm-hmm. and Christian Bale. So they play a nurse, an attorney, and a doctor who met in Belgium. Um, and um, they star alongside more A-list names, Robert De Niro, Chris Rock, Taylor Swift, Anya Taylor-Joy, Mike Myers, Rami Malek, Zoe Saldana, Timothy Oliphant, Michael Shannon, Andrea Riseborough. Wow. That that's that's crazy. Uh yeah, the trailer, a lot of star power. Yeah. There. The trailer opens with uh, Chris Rock's character appearing perplex, perplexed uh at the three friends carrying a dead body. And uh Chris Rock called it a dead white man in a box. Um and uh, basically they formed a pact to protect each other no matter what. Um and then they had the, uh, Robert De Niro's character uh, helping them find the truth. Um, and Bobby says, this is all turning out to be a lot larger than any of us. So, uh, yeah, Russell's last film was 2015's Joy um, with Jennifer Lawrence. His mm-hmm. other films, of course, are Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle. So, uh, yeah, this uh, comes out in November of 2022. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, this this uh, trailer really reminds me of uh, of uh, Wakanda Forever, Black Panther, and it's Viola Davis, uh, who leads an all female African fighting unit into battle in the first trailer for The Woman King. And, oh, wow! Uh, but it's not fantasy or sci-fi. It's uh, it's uh, basically a group of African warrior women uh, battling um, European invaders. Um, but yeah, it does seem to echo Black Panther a little bit, um, without, of course, again, without the superpowers, but John Boyega is also in it, mm-hmm. been from Star Wars, um, as, uh, the ruler King Gezo, who's urged on, um, to oppose the Europeans aiming to conquer their kingdom. So, um, I think we made a joke about the, 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 I guess the fictitious country it's called Dahomey. <laughs> I remember Chachi making a joke about what's up, homie, da homie, <laughs> da homie. Yeah, which is kind of an interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting um, name for that. Could you just Wakanda, man? Wakanda's cool. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites is Aubrey Plaza. She's got this feature film that made waves of Sundance called Emily the Criminal. Um, and, uh, I know, um, someone who I won't mention, um, someone I know in my real life, uh, that did something very similar. Uh, anyways, uh, Aubrey's character needs a job that will allow her to pay off her student loans. Um, and it pretty much ends up being fraud. Um, she has a shady connection, uh, played by, um, Theo Rossi. The character's name is Yusef. And um, turns out she uh, is purchasing items with stolen credit cards. And her assignments evolve from buying, t- buying TVs to far more valuable goods. Um, 
And uh, yeah, definitely worth a look. Uh, that will drop on August 12th. You know, so uh, so I'd like to introduce to BTB's virtual panel. That's right, journalist extraordinaire from <laughs> the Rogers Review. Dean on the scene, Rogers. <laughs> Welcome back to BTV. Thank you. It's great to be back on a Wednesday. It's great to be back here, especially. Yeah, man. Yeah. So recovery for a bit for a couple days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll take a, a little um, a breather on our top uh, our top list of entertainment stuff. But uh, Dean, uh, you've been on BTV before. Uh, you've always knocked it out of the park, um, and um, we're happy to have you. Uh, on tonight's show, because you got to attend a really, really cool event. Of course, we're, we're coming off the July 4th mm-hmm. holiday. Yes. And in Washington, D.C., they have the Capital 4th event. Absolutely. Um, and if you could tell us a little bit about some of the highlights that you experienced, uh, talking sure. to some of the, the talent that was a part of that amazing show. Well, um, this was the 42nd annual event, which took place on July 4th, 8 p.m. on the PBS stations. And keep in mind that this was the first fully live version of the concert because the concert was affected for the past two years. They did a hybrid of some live portions, but a lot of tape portions. But every year to try to have a different host and this year was no exception this year it was country superstar mickey guyton and she was so amazing and i can i really cannot say how amazing she was especially this was her very first time hosting and um she actually hosted a couple, of things, a couple of things before. Like most recently, she hosted the 52nd, I'm sorry, the 56th Academy of Country Music Awards. And I asked her how did it felt to be hosting the concert for a Capital Fourth, and she said that she couldn't believe that someone gave her the responsibility. First of all, she couldn't believe that she accepted without thinking of the gravity of it. But she was so excited to be there, and she's going to say it was going to be beautiful. It's going to be something that we really needed right now, especially with so much going on in the country. And we need a so moment much. of togetherness and representation. And she says, I'm your girl. And she did an amazing job not only performing the um, national anthem, but she performed another song as well. Another guest who's actually going to be coming to the Washington metro area at the Kennedy Center on July 26th is the piano virtuoso Grammy Award winner recently, Emily Bear. And she's, she's amazing. Bringing, oh yeah, it was amazing. In fact, she's bringing wow, her so talented on, and beautiful too. <laughs> she is. And uh, she's bringing her unofficial Bridgerton musical to the Kennedy Center, July 26th, along with Abigail Bargo, who also won the Grammy. And actually, she recognized me because this was the second time we met this year. Oh, we nice. met three months prior to that for Grammys on the Hill. And she was going to perform, actually, she performed the iconic classic Stars and Stripes Forever by John Philip Sousa on the piano. And I asked her, how did it feel to play the iconic piece on the piano? She said, it's a piece. It's definitely challenging, but she's a classically trained and she studied classical piano at famous Juilliard, but she haven't played classical in a hot second. She haven't pulled up the classical chops in a few years. So she spent most of the time composing since, you know, she's hot right now. 
Grammy Award winning for that album and get ready to go on tour in the next few wow. weeks or so. But she also mentioned that it was fun to be really able to pull that out and get the piece ready. It was such an amazing arrangement and it was so much fun. Now, there are two most important things that happened that they wanted to uh, bring up this year. This year marks the 100th anniversary of the Lincoln Memorial. And for the first time, they actually transported some of the concert to the Lincoln Memorial. And the person oh, wow. who honors was gospel superstar Yolanda Adams. Nice. And she, I tell you, she has a great history with both the National Memorial Day concert and the Capitol Fourth. She has been there numerous times performing. And she says she would love to host one day, but she says she was so excited to come back. And as you probably know, she's on a great show right now on BET Plus called Kingdom Business. And she's playing a character that is the complete opposite of who she is. She's ruthless. She's deadly, but she's an amazing character. Now, the person I could not believe I still have to pinch myself (laughs) over... Because uh-huh. this year is also the 65th anniversary of West Side Story on Broadway. And here's probably um, hits that you probably don't know about West Side Story. Did you know that West Side Story, before it went to the Winter Garden Theater in 1957, had its trial in Washington, D.C.? Oh, oh. did not know that. Broadway. And for me to talk to... The Broadway legend, the original Anita before, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was... Rita um, Moreno? Yeah, Rita Moreno took it over before Ariana DuBose took it over from Broadway. She was not only her, the first Anita, she was also the first Phil Kelly in Chicago. She was the first Aurora in Kiss of the Spider-Woman. And she's a DC-born native. We're talking about Cheetah Rivera 89 yes. years young. That must I have will been. tell you of all the interviews <clears> I have done wow. in close to 20 years, I have wow. never blushed the way I blushed when I interviewed You got a little starstruck, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. It's those now, legendary so did, did, she, did she make you blush because she was just so rambunctious and so like... Um... Yes. That and above, and I also found out during my research of her, she and I are the same star sign. We're both Aquarians. Oh, there you go. Yeah, she's uh, January 23rd. I'm January 29th. And I asked her one of the questions I really wanted to ask her, especially since um, Stephen Sondheim was the lyricist of West Side Story. And as we know, we lost Stephen Sondheim back in November of last year. And I wanted to know what were some of her fondest memories of working with him? And she mentioned, well, at the time, he wasn't the Stephen Sondheim then. And he was just like the rest of us. So my memories are just hard work. He was coming up with wonderful lyrics, but they aren't any more wonderful than Jerome Robbins or our men and Bernstein. You know, we're all in this together. You know, we're all new at it. And, you know, we had no idea what was about to happened and i could not agree more and she also uh before we we talked about Stephen sondheim she talked about reminiscing about growing up in washington dc in that time the 1930s and 40s and she talked about how her and her father um come across the washington monument many times that's still 
all-inspiring. It means so much to her. So to interview someone who really set the tone for Broadway musicals to come these 60-plus years on, and DC's own, is... That was the highlight. She was the highlight for you. She is definitely the highlight. But we also had um, numerous stars who also performed. We had Kebmo, who performed Lean on Me by the great Bill Withers. We had Lauren Allred from Britain's Got Talent and The Voice, the U.S. Voice and Britain's Got Talent. She performed um, Never Enough from The Greatest Showman. We had Rachel Platten, who performed Stand By You. Yolanda Adams, Battle Hymns Republic. Jake Owen gave us some country talk. And Queen of Disco herself, Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. I will survive. Oh, yeah. This was one of the highlights of... There were a lot of great highlights. In fact, I always told myself, especially covering the program for seven years now, that when it comes to American... I'm sorry, I'm about to say American, but a capital four, if you cannot... You cannot go higher than that. Between the National Memorial Day concert and a capital four, we are talking about the two biggest holiday concerts in the country shown on television it yeah just happens to be in washington dc yeah mm-hmm. so it was very excited to do it all over again since 2015 both concerts and i'm already looking forward to 2023 and hopefully we'll get btb i mean yes exciting because there was oh and the other thing is um i wanted to know that there was only two outlets that were covering this event so i'm wow. glad you're one of two wanted to for both events but to bring that to below the belt it's no oh, thank you and uh um two names you didn't mention cynthia yeah. revo and darren chris yes I mean, thanks for reminding me so yeah. Cynthia revo was there to help celebrate west side story she performed the classic song somewhere and i love that phenomenal chris, song yeah, Phenomenal. Darren Chris. What can we say about Darren Chris? He was so amazing. It's never a dull moment when it comes Still to. Oh, Filipino too. So. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta throw it's that out. It's never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. But it was great that, um, unlike um, National World Day concert, which had a little audience, that a Capital Fourth had a bigger audience this year, and hopefully with. COVID-19 still going down in numbers, it'll stay that way. And let's hope so, man. We can go Come on, right? Match. Yeah. Cause we got a we got a big event coming up in a couple weeks, Shorecon. Surely, surely. Oh shit, Shorelevecon. Okay. Yeah, you get the rock. Where is Shorecon anyway? <laughs> I forgot the leave, but yeah, Shorelevecon. Um, yep. coming up at in Hunt Valley at the at the um at the Delta Hotel. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And for those fans who have not heard, there has been so far one cancellation. I cannot believe it's cancellation. Oh, DC's own from the boys. Lots of lines, so cannot make it, dude. Oh, that is so heartbreaking. He's one person I definitely right. wanted, wanted to meet the most. Uh, Especially since was... DC's own. It's like we got to have the DC's own. Yes, but uh, just to read off the names, uh, Brandon Ralph, Superman Returns, and oh, yeah. DC's Legends of Tomorrow. We have Amy, yeah, Amy Garcia from Lucifer, Adam Baldwin from Firefly, and Chuck, the lovely Summer Glau from Firefly, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yep. 
Gates McFadden, Star Trek uh, The Next Generations, Dr. Beverly Crusher, yep. Robert Duncan McNeil, Star Trek Voyager, Eddie McClintock, Warehouse 13. Yep. And, and last... directed episodes of Chuck, by the way. What? Yeah, in fact, he directed a number of episodes, including the series finale. Did he really? Of okay. More yep. than just an actor, then. And uh, mm-hmm. last but not least, we're still getting the boys uh and, and the star from the boys is jesse usher a train will be yep. making an appearance uh yes that's shore dash leave.com the official website for shore leave so uh that's really exciting uh the rogers review and below the belt show will be in the house for that and to let you guys know oh let me if i can add a couple things yeah yeah of course. sure um so if you want tickets they're right now currently available on the day of the, the days of the event. And if for every purchase you do, there will be a free autograph session. The free autograph sessions are for Gates McFadden and Amy Garcia. And All it right. is one free autograph per day. Wow. Okay. This is, yeah, these, these cons are a lot of fun. Um, yeah. They're, they're from the fans by the fans. For the fans, by fact, um, Shirley is still on record the longest fan running convention. Wow. Yep. Oh, and I'll just, I looks like I'm not sure if anyone catch if you've been here recently. Barbara Luna is the second person, so it's now from 12 to 10. They okay. just they just announced it just yesterday. And also, don't forget to review their COVID 19 policy. They yeah, they're, they're they're a little strict on the COVID over that that con, aren't they? Yeah, some events have they are a little up. bit, but this one's a little, yeah, it's a Maryland convention compared to DC and Virginia. It's understandable. I know for Awesome Con, um, I don't think they required the COVID nineteen restrictions, but for Maryland conventions, they do. So, you know what? I thought it was really the opposite. DC, I thought that was the ones that are very uh, they're sticklers for the the masks, whereas Maryland um, was a little looser. It depends. It depends on the venue. I think it depends okay. on things. Okay. Well, but very cool. So, yeah, that's uh, something that we're going to look forward to. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to get right back into uh, BTB's entertainment. Um, and at number six, um, still on movies, the Nope movie. Yes, that's Jordan Peele's upcoming um, horror thriller, which Jordan Peele just excels. Uh, excels at that uh, genre and um, they're doing something really cool very um, very similar to the marketing of a Blair Witch Project um, uh, where they had this website devoted to uh, the film uh, if you recall from back in the day which kind of brought the realism to the movie uh, the of uh, Blair Witch Project but uh, it's basically a website for the um, the fictional institution of of uh, the movie, which is called Jupiter's Claim, and it's Stephen Young from uh, The Walking Dead fame. Uh, he's the mm-hmm. uh, the pretty much the uh, the host, I guess, of this uh, particular uh, institution. Um, but uh, yeah, you go to the uh, website and you're, you're greeted by a salutation from Young's character Ricky, um, who is a former child actor and reality star. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Uh, yeah, you take uh, – yeah, it's really, really cool. Check it out. Um, uh, yeah, at the uh, Jun- Juniper's Claim uh, – sorry, Jupiter's Claim is uh, jupitersclaim.com um, if you want to check that out, um, which is kind of cool. You know, cool marketing to have something uh, 
another another you know dedicated website for a movie you know uh, to to promote um um so this is an interesting one um it's a fourth of july movie by uh a comedian and actor that supposedly had a rough few years due to the me too movement that's louis ck um and uh he actually had a panel discussion at the beacon theater manhattan uh and he says uh when he uh went on the stage to uh talk about his film fourth of july the crowd burst into applause so they really really missed uh louis ck and he's you no know, he's trying to revive his career and you can't blame the guy um i think he's like the lesser of the offenders if anyone because if anything because you know he was just pleasuring himself granted it's inappropriate conduct but uh i think a lot of those other other offenders of the me too movement have, have done far 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 worse um but this is like um his first appearance in a feature film uh since his film i love you daddy in 2017 so that was uh, a very very poorly timed movie. Oh, that film. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, that, was, that, that, was, that was smack dab in the middle of all those uh, <clears throat> all of those stories coming to light, and he releases a movie called "I Love You, Daddy." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Talk yeah. about bad time. Have you seen it, Zod? I have not seen it. Okay. I. I probably will eventually because, yeah. I mean, Louis C.K. kind of fell off my radar for a while because it was, um, I don't know. I mean, but his in his heyday, like his TV show that was on the FX network, that was at times brilliant. Like it was uh, it was so well done. And uh, so, I mean, if he's not a scumbag anymore or at least he's at least a less of a scumbag and a little more appropriate then yeah i'm rooting for him i want him to succeed with this yeah yeah and you know this film he actually uh funded the movie uh out of pocket himself yeah he paid for the entire film out of pocket so uh you know you know people you know people are trying you know so uh you know um he uh, basically, and he, he did comment a little bit uh, on it. Um, he said, you have feelings. You want to go back and tell your folks that they ruined your life and it's all their fault that you were depressed. And they're like, fuck you. And he said, it's somewhere in between. It's just like, oh, you hurt me. I hurt you. Let's have some pizza. It's going to be okay. Um, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another film. But uh, in production, um Number eight on my list is Taika Waititi's upcoming Star Wars movie. So, um, he, interesting enough, uh, this film will not have any of your favorite characters in the film. He's going completely original. Uh, original characters. Um, it's not about the Skywalkers. It's not about Chewbacca. It's not about C-3PO or R2-D2. Or the Solos. I know, right? Um so uh yeah he's just basically creating um a a film uh that is uh completely just yeah completely different um and uh you know i hope he still has jedis you know it's probably be another focus on doesn't necessarily need to have jedis there's a lot i mean there's a lot left in the star wars universe that they haven't really um tackled they haven't really like explored and yeah 
Mm-hmm. You know, you'd think, you know, because there's like an endless number of planets. I mean, you could do so many genres. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be, you know, that kind of... Because, like, almost every Star Wars thing is kind of a mixture of, like, uh, like an old Western, <laughs> like, sci-fi in an old Western or sci-fi in, like, you know, a monk movie. You know what I mean? Like a, like a <laughs> yeah. battling monk movie. Okay. And, or well, the it, Western certainly had that feel in the Mandalorian. Yeah, it had that in the Mandalorian. Or it's like a crime, like a crime story. You right. know, you know, because they have like heists, and of course, obviously, like the. Yeah. And uh, but there's there's a lot more. There's a lot he could do, but one yeah. thing that's really interesting, he actually asked Natalie Portman, who of course is in Love and Thunder, Thor: Love and Thunder. Asked her if she wanted to be in his new film, and have you ever been in a Star Wars movie? Oh my god! I'm like, dude, did you not? Did you totally forget the prequels, episodes one, two, and three, where <laughs> Natalie Portman was the star? And that then has said, to be. That has to be a that's joke. So, that's a, no. Apparently, it wasn't a joke. Um, apparently, um, well, the thing is, like. He okay, maybe it was a joke, but the thing was is that <laughs> he said he did say I forgot about those ones, <laughs> referring to uh, the prequels. But uh, you know the prequels have a lot of love now because of the because uh, of Obi Wan Obi Wan Kenobi series. Um, yeah, I mean Obi Wan did a lot to uh, I guess kind of redeem some of the more uh-huh. parts of the prequels, right? And uh, that. Yeah, I mean, I still uh, I still don't love the prequels from an aesthetic sense. Like, I really liked it more when they didn't have everything being so shiny. Like, when it had that kind of, like, dusty, like, kind of anachronistic sci-fi look. That, yeah. That they went back to after Rogue One and The Mandalorian and everything. Yep. So It, it, it just seems like... Uh... It's kind of the opposite. You're going from sleek and aerodynamic to mm-hmm. the, the term that you used. <laughs> uh, say it again. Uh, the term that you used. Oh, kind of like dusty and air and anachronistic. Anachronistic. <laughs> <laughs> Only you, Zod, would know that one. <laughs> That's a good one. So, uh, number nine on my list. So, so James Cameron's Avatar. Wow. So it's been over a decade since we've seen the last. Avatar movie, we all know that the sequel, The Way of the Water, is going to drop December 16th. Yeah. And we do have some news on Avatar. He did mention that it's um, that uh, the movie will be um, very long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's coming in in about... What's new? <laughs> well, so this is the thing. The first movie was only 162 minutes compared to this next Avatar movie three hours hmm. three hours of avatar and uh, <laughs> okay well here's a here's a question for both of you i know avatar has been in the news uh, a fair amount recently how much yeah. do you actually remember from the movie no avatar? one remembers anything <laughs> i remember you, a you few remember things the oh yeah i remember a few things but i also remember the god awful and i mean a god awful cirque du soleil show that was based around Avatar. Oh I'm yeah, there, I saw there that is, one. There is. I'm one. sorry, but Cirque du Soleil, don't ever, 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 ever do that again. 
again. Were there were there <laughs> no. people were there people no. in the show on stilts so they they were like ten feet tall? I saw that one. That was it. Uh, that they had a, a show in DC and Baltimore, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I did see that. I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed I it. Like it. You guys, okay. But you guys, no. but both of you guys actually bought tickets and went to see it, right? No, I was well pressed. Press, press, oh, press. okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I think the other are the same way, like there, but. Real quick, back to James Cameron. He said, um, I don't want anybody whining about the length of the movie when they sit and binge watch television for eight hours. Now, he has a point. Yeah, very good point. He says, I can almost write this part of the review. He's like, three hours, very annoying, very agonizing. He says, give me a fucking break. I've watched my kids sit and do five one-hour episodes in a row. Here's the big social paradigm shift that has to happen. It's okay to go and pee. <laughs> James Cameron, such flowery language, uh, mm-hmm. describing uh, his film. But uh, well, yeah. he's, uh, he's responsible for two of the you know biggest money makers in Hollywood history. So, or actually more than two. Like, uh, yeah. So the thing, the bigger news is that James Cameron is considering stepping back from the fourth and fifth films, which was already in uh, development. So, as you know, or may not know. Avatar 2 and 3 were shot back-to-back, like uh, Lord of the Rings um, style, which, you know, it's great. saves money in production. Uh, So they shot the two films back-to-back. And uh, for the fourth and fifth film, apparently he's considering leaving the franchise in another director's hands as soon as he finishes work on the third film, which, you know, is already in post-production. That's going to come out in 2024. Interesting uh, that he's going to kind of walk away from his baby, you know, I mean, but, uh, you know, I mean, I guess he's got a lot of other things on his plate. Um, Interestingly enough, Sigourney Weaver is coming back for the sequel. And if you're questioning how, because she died in the first movie, Mm -hmm. um, she's actually going to be playing a Navi uh, through motion capture, a teenage Navi who is the adopted daughter of Jake, Jake, um, Sam Worthington's character and Zoe Saltana's uh, Neytiri. Um, and yeah, so that, that'll be interesting um, to see her uh, also. In addition, um, uh, which is kind of like a, a love letter to Titanic, Kate Winslet um, also will uh, be uh, returning as a Navi warrior as well. And they just debuted first images of Kate Winslet as Ronal was a deeply loyal and fearless leader of the Navis. So, uh, cool. It's uh, interesting, interesting. Um, I definitely will have to watch again. Don't remember a damn thing from the first Avatar movie. <laughs> so uh, we'll have to uh, kind of... Uh, that section, that section of Walt Disney's Animal Kingdom that's based on Avatar is fucking awesome, though. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, freaking amazing. Oh, nice. And... Uh, <laughs> And and the one thing I'll always remember about that was like when you go to whatever their like little food court is, they have all of these like kind of weirdly colored like desserts and things like that. Nice. And uh, like they were, it was like this like kind of green, like bright green ball almost, and it was like made with like um, um, uh, fondant and like some kind of like gelatin thing in it, and. 
I'll never forget that, like, somebody in one of those Navi costumes, who I guess was serving them, gave me one for free. <laughs> and that is wow. my one big take. They liked you, Zod. Or nice. one other thing in that, in that, like, Walt is, before we, I know I'm totally, like, derailing things, but the other. That's okay, you're good. The other really like crazy thing about the Avatar world in Walt Disney is there's a I guess at some point in the movie, there's some kind of giant plant that you're supposed to like do something with. Right. Like, I don't really remember from the movie, but so they have this giant plant that's like um, this like and it's it's I mean, there's no way around it. It's kind of shaped like a dick. Like a oh, giant, God. it's kind of shaped like a giant. No wonder you're so attracted to the planet. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and you're supposed to like touch various areas out of it and it shoots out water. There and all I can think is, oh my God. And it's <laughs> like, shaped like a dick, so it makes it very, very uh Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, Zod, something to look forward to when you visit, right? Um <laughs> all right moving on guys number 10 <laughs> as dean's shaking his head he's like yeah i see i see dean's shaking your <laughs> shaking his head. that's that's okay that's okay i'm an acquired taste i know <laughs> yeah you are what the <laughs> hell did i walk myself into <laughs> gonna... it's all below the belt <laughs> we're, gonna... we're a little nuts here uh let's see margot robbie's barbie movie yes so uh details are under lock and key but um Apparently, they talked about all the actresses that are playing Barbie having a sleepover together, which is interesting. They play games, and um, apparently um, a lot of these other Barbies, in addition to Margot Robbie, who is like the hottest Barbie, in my opinion, um, is Emma Mackey from the, the TV show on Netflix, Sex Education. Mm-hmm. Um, also, does she play Skipper? I well, basically these are all um, all just different iterations of Barbie. Oh, so they're all supposed to play like like one is like the brunette Barbie, one yeah, is like the, uh, exactly. the African American Barbie, exactly. like is that how that works? Okay, I think that's what they're doing. Yeah, because Issa Rae is in it as well, and she's apparently playing uh, um, a Barbie, Alexandra Ship. Harry Neff, among others, and of course Ryan Gosling plays Ken. So, so, so like, I, I guess, like, a lot of the details for this Barbie movie are like totally unknown, and like, all I really, yes. you know, all I really know about it is like the pictures that have been released and have become like memes and stuff. And uh, so, I'm wondering, like, are they? I guess they're going for like. Uh, you know, they're they're going for some like kind of weird deconstruction of like, you know, uh, at least I'm thinking because it's it's Greta Gerwig directing it. Right. That's right. Greta yep, Gerwig. Right. And so Greta right Gerwig is not going to make like, you know, everything she does is this kind of like off kilter and. You know, slightly off, not too much, but just like just enough so that it's like really, really unusual but not enough to make it super weird. Um, like, and it's very, very much like um, multi-layered and lots of deconstruction. And so... I think that's what we're going to see. That's exactly what we're going to see. Deconstruction uh, with a lot of neon. Um, oh, one more uh, cast member, Simu Liu. 
Shang-Chi and the Legends of Ten Rings will be also playing a different iteration of Ken. <laughs> now, that's uh, rumored to be playing Ken as well. So, yes, uh, I believe you hit the nail on the head, Zod. It's just mm-hmm. different iterations of Barbie and Ken. Yeah. Considering, you know, the Barbie franchise has been around since 50, I think, mid-50s, and they had thousands of different Barbies and thousands of different Kens and thousands of different dream houses. <laughs> Right, right. So I think they want to stay true to all those different iterations. So there you go. Yeah, but it's it's like it's so easy for something like this to become this absolutely abhorrent train wreck, or it could be <laughs> brilliant, right. <laughs> one or the other. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, number eleven on my list. Uh, this is a very interesting title of a film. It's directed by Zoe Kravitz. This is going to be Zoe Kravitz' directorial debut. So. Uh, Starring Christian Slater, Alia Shawkat, Kyle MacLachlan, um, Gina Davis, Haley Joel Osment. Wow, what a cast. And many more. And the film is entitled, get ready, guys, Pussy Island. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a script penned by Zoe and E.T. Feigenbaum. Follows a Los Angeles cocktail waitress, played by Naomi Aki. Uh, her name is Frida, and she makes her way into Tech Tycoon, um, and this is Christian Slater's character's um, inner circle and private island fortress, where she finds that something sinister lurks behind the luster. Okay. Um, interesting. I guess it, it did. they might have to allude more to the to title, maybe, I guess. <laughs> but yes, uh, uh, you know, um, of course, uh, Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein uh, probably wanted to watch that film as well. But uh, <laughs> there has to be more to that. That title. There's got to be that, more. That, I mean, title, I just think that it's... title. The title would be so. It would be so easy to make a uh, really, really lazy kind raunchy of film. yeah, raunchy film without. So it has to be like ironic, and there has to be more. There has to be more to that. More, yeah, yeah, more to, so we'll have to find out what Zoe Kravitz means, you know. I mean, it's an interesting. I just gonna get, get over the title of this particular uh, particular film. All right. Um. Uh. So I wanted to ask uh, Dean. Um. Want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about Stranger Things? How do you feel about uh, discussing it, or is this show that you don't mind talking about, or just listening in? I don't mind talking and listening. I uh, they cut caught up with the uh, first three seasons. I just haven't started with the uh, current season since I'm right now into the Orville and to four, actually four, three shows, um, the Orville, all mankind for all mankind and strange new worlds. Okay. Between uh, stranger things and the boys, which ones, uh, which one are you more of a fan of? Say again, between which one? Stranger things and the boys, strange things. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's my boys. Right. <laughs> yeah, the boys is great too, man. I knew that. I, I figured if uh, if uh, Laz Alonzo was going to be there, that you would have been binging. But uh, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Stranger Things season four, part two, if we could. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so the last two episodes uh, of season four were feature length movies, which is insane. Uh, the show passed the billion hour mark in billion hour mark. In viewing worldwide, can you believe that, man? 
Uh, 1.15 billion hours of viewing time over its first 28 days of release. Um, that is incredible. Um, and uh, yeah, the finale itself, two and a half hours long. I mean, this is a yeah. feature length film. And, uh, you know, it, it spawned uh, a renewal to a two great songs, one we talked about already, Running Up the Hill by Kate Bush. The other song She's uh, making that money. <laughs> she is making that money, but the other song is Metallica's uh Master of Puppets. Uh which, which is yeah. I would that was a surprise. I was cuz they 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 didn't really they don't really play too much hard stuff on uh, even yes, funny. Yes. yes. That was very much a surprise in that scene and it worked perfectly <laughs> for that scene. Yeah. So yes, this is um, Eddie Munson's, uh, the character of Eddie Munson, his guitar solo scene, uh, which, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was super cool. It was it was he played that in the upside down world, and uh, it was super duper dope. I mean, all the creatures in the upside down world were just uh, flying, and uh, I don't know, it was just super duper cool, man. Um, and uh, Apparently Metallica was really happy to see that too, you know. I mean, obviously they're going to see some coin, I'm sure, from uh iTunes streams and you know, all that stuff because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely for why red um that song Master of Puppets has gotten a significant boost at number 1 in a lot of streaming platforms. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that same exact thing happened for Kate Bush. So if you if you're like a a flailing like '80s band, yeah, or maybe a one-hit wonder, man. You might want to talk to the producers of Stranger Things and <laughs> maybe get on for season five. But uh, yeah, 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 certainly so. But um, let's just talk about some of the highlights of uh, Part Two, Zod. Um, I mean, obviously, there's more to Vecna than what we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie Campbell Bauer plays a phenomenal antagonist in this Vecna character. Um, and, uh, not only is, uh, he playing the, the number one character, which obviously 11 is number 11, not only is he playing the Vecta character, but he's also tied into, it's crazy because it's a, it's a weird way of tying all the seasons together. Right. Um, and so, uh, so, so I mean, he, I guess so I'll, I'll just say I guess we're gonna, we're going to be talking about spoilers, right? A little like bit. We've all, yeah. We've all we've all seen this. Right. And this is the mind flare, the mind flare, yeah. So one of the things that's a little bit ambiguous is uh, cuz I thought at least before um you know when they made the big revelation that number 1 was Vecna that uh it started making a little sense as to why um, what are ostensibly these like, you know, alien creatures from another dimension seem to have like some things that kind of like connected them to humanity, mm-hmm. you know, when it's like another completely different like, you know, the upside down is this completely like alternate I mean, of course, it is kind of like just like a mirror, like a dark mirror version of our regular universe. But it's and it made sense because, you know, you know, Henry, uh, what was Henry's last name? I forgot the, you know, number one, Henry. Yes, Creel. Uh, Creel. Henry Creel. Mm-hmm. 
because Henry Creel was like, you know, a human kid. And, you know, even though he was, you know, driven mad by his powers and right. and uh, right. and everything that made. But like, I guess, like, is the implication that. So it like I thought they were going with Vecna being like or Henry being like the big mastermind about everything. But then well, that, that's that's what I'm saying. The mind flare. Yeah. Uh, which ba- basically haunted Will in all the previous seasons was controlling everything. Yeah. From the Demogorgons to the Demo Bats that have antagonized Hawkins since season one. Mm-hmm. So everything is kind of being tied into Vecna also being the mind flare. Um, you know, um, of course, previously he was Henry uh, Creel as well. But it, that he's not the mind flayer. Like they implied that there's someone above him. I don't know. I from from what I'm what I alluded to when watching the finale, and what I'm from what I'm reading, um, that Jamie Campbell Bowers' uh, version uh, of Vecna has also been the mind flayer throughout the entire series. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, it, but then that wouldn't, because uh, the um, okay, that might <laughs> contradict. Mind something. blown a little bit, huh? Well, you're, that's you're, what I was originally thinking, but then there were scenes that seemed to contradict that. That was um, okay. That's, that's like when they fair. when they show him first uh, first arriving in the upside down. He didn't create the universe there. He um, that universe was there already. And then you see like those scenes right. where like, the the big shadow legs that kind of looks like a spider. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That um, that implied that there was already another malevolent entity there. Yeah, you're right about the upside down world always being there because you know that's eleven banished one. I'm right. Gonna, right. So to the upside down world. So, um, and, uh, yeah, they, 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 they came face to face for one more, uh, confrontation, so to speak. Uh, um, but, um, yeah, very action packed, uh, finale, amazing special effects. Um, um, you know, Eddie Munson, uh, a, a favorite character, um, that, uh, we probably will not see and it's a stranger thing. So, you know, anything's possible, right? It, it's fantasy mm-hmm. and sci-fi, but, uh, appears that we've seen the last of any months. And however, um, we will be seeing more of Max and, uh, very, very scary. Zod. Weren't you very worried about the character of Max? Yeah. Played I, by I, Sophie Sink. Yeah, that was, I mean, I thought she was a goner. It was yeah. like, you know, I thought, yeah, this was this was her um <clears throat> well i mean it would have been it would have been kind of unsatisfying because she you know she would have died and she wouldn't have died in like i won't say it wasn't a heroic way but if a character is going to die on the, like especially one that's beloved like max is who mm-hmm. They they call like you know one of the major emotional centers of um, at least the past two seasons because she's the one that's gone through so much trauma, right. almost as much as Will. I mean, you could say Will Will his I mean and Eleven obviously, but uh, like 
but she, you know, she had to watch her brother die and watch her, you know, her mother completely fall apart. And, there, yeah. you know, that it would have been it would have felt uh, I mean, it probably would have felt like, you know, almost like a reality check because, you know, you know, people don't have heroic endings in real life. <laughs> and, yeah. um, but it just seemed it almost seemed cruel to do that to her, especially after everything she's gone through. And, yeah, yeah. But she, she seems to be like one of the smartest amongst the kids. She was kind of like mm-hmm. figuring out, oh, yeah, the, the, the you know, like there's four chimes, you know, when you hear the four deaths. And she's like, seems like to be the, the brightest of the bunch. Yeah. And kind of figuring out the, you know, the method to the madness of all, all these uh, um, crazy uh, antagonists, the Vecnas and the Demogorgons and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Demogorgon, it was good to see um, a very cool uh, showdown between the Demogorgon and uh, David Harbour's Jim Hopper um, as uh, he used a sword in a scene that was that apparently was also wielded by Arnold Schwarzenegger. 40 years ago. So this is the sword from Conan the Barbarian. Is it the actual sword? Um, that's what they're saying, yeah. <laughs> the sword he used in the scene was also wielded by Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I think that's kind of cool. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, cool tie-in there, right? So, uh, so um, but um, Stranger Things Season 5 is in production, um, or it's actually in pre-production. Uh, they're writing it now. Um, they said that um, fans can expect um, the length of the final episode of season five, which is the series finale, to be as long as long as uh, the season four finale. However, don't expect the the other episodes to be just as long. Oh, okay. So um, a lot of those, you know, a lot of the episodes kind of ran for nearly eighty minutes. You know. Um, so you may see some shorter episodes, but um, um, they did talk about a spinoff. Um, now the, the spinoff, um, apparently, they are developing a spinoff, but it won't uh, be centered around Millie Bobby Brown's Eleven or Joe Curie Steve. Um, apparently, they've read rumors that it's going to be an Eleven spinoff, um, but they said they've done that already. Um, so they basically, it's going to be very, very different. In fact, a thousand percent different than the flagship series. Um, but the connectivity to the original series, uh, will be storytelling sensibility. Um, so there'll be some connective tissue, uh, so to speak, uh, between, um, the spinoff that they're going to be developing. So, um, interesting, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so don't expect to see like a uh, a younger version of Hopper, because David Harbor was asked who he'd like to see take on as his younger self, and he said uh, the actor from uh, from Euphoria in the Kissing Booth, Jacob Elordi. Um, he, he thought he would uh, be a. Um, he said <laughs> David Harbor said he could pull off being as handsome as I was at twenty. <laughs> <laughs> so um i think uh before we take a classic cut break which is related to stranger things is to um throw out a special topic that zod brought up um 
And Zod, why don't you introduce the topic? Okay. Well, I got to admit, when I when uh, you sent out that email, I guess, earlier today, which I didn't even get a chance to read until, like, 5 <laughs> or 6 o'clock, okay. <laughs> and, and suddenly you're like, oh, Zod will come up with a special topic tonight. I was like, oh, no, what am I going to talk about? And... Um, but I was thinking because and this ties into, you know, what we do, you know, usually. And, you know, when I was uh, first talking about the, um, the the season finale and, you know, what is going to become our classic cut tonight. Yep. The uh, it got me to thinking about how um, there are certain there are certain scenes in TV shows and movies that are so you know, one of the things that makes them really, really memorable is yes. the music that's used. The music, yes. Yeah, and it's and sometimes it's because it's jarring or ironic, and mm-hmm. that that actually happens a lot where you have like super violent scenes with like really, really upbeat, happy music, or the other way around where you have like what are supposed to be these happy scenes where they they have like really, really like dark and somber like music in like minor key which is usually uh kind of like a foreshadowing for something that's going to happen later like something darker that's going to happen later right and it got me to thinking about like the um you know what are you know it, it got me to thinking about like what you know which uh which movie or tv shows usage of music for a i want to say for a specific scene uh, has always shot, uh, like, you know, always um, kind of stood out for you guys. And uh, the first ones that come to mind are fine because it's, uh, you could go in a thousand different directions. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you like to start this one off? Well, I mean, I've, I've never been the one to do these questions before, but um, Dean, do you want to be put on the spot first? Nope. Nope. Okay, then, Al. Um, yeah, I mean, th- these are two very, um, very classic movies that uh, two um, songs associated with the movies just resonate. Um, and uh, and one is uh, "I Have a Tiger" from Rocky. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, just it's just it's just the perfect song. Yeah, you know, it really drives Sly Stallone's Rocky into. Uh, his training regimen and, and preparing for his upcoming fights. And uh, that that song really, really stuck out as like the perfect song. Um, and the second song I thought was very, very appropriate for the original film. And the recent sequel is Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. And that's Danger Zone. Of course. Kenny Loggins. Um, Danger Zone is just, it's an iconic song, first of all. And it really gets the engine running. Pun intended. Um, <laughs> but I can't think of a more perfect movie song than Danger Zone because, yes, you know, the, these are yeah, these were the best of the best Navy pilots. Right, guys. And uh, when you heard that, you know, yeah, you know, I to the danger zone, you know, wow. it's just, you know, it's just wow. It just really resonate re- resonated with me. Got you pumped up. And. Watching, especially because I saw it recently, um, Top Gun Maverick really just got that adrenaline flowing, you know, um, when you saw those those Navy planes uh, 
soar through the the, the air and of course yeah, Tomcats. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. um so the yeah so i I, the, I picked two yeah that would be eye the tiger rocky and uh danger zone for top gun and top gun maverick okay that works and we got to hear the dulcet tones of the soto voice the <laughs> soto voce so to speak <laughs> I love it. okay well for me is there are three films you just named one and i'm top gun since um that was my favorite film before i became a film critique Oh, and nice. from Danger Zone, from playing, well, not playing with the boys, You Lost That Loving Feeling was another classic from that movie to Great Balls of Fire. It was just one of the perfect 80s movies. Another 80s film, actually, think that all three were from Paramount Plus, since Paramount dominated the 80s when it comes to movies. So the second one was um, Axel F from Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Always that synth is perfect ringtone and it describes the character completely it's like it's a character in the film and there's no way that um the third one is another navy film that another film the boss navy another paramount up where up where we belong from an officer and a gentleman which yeah that is read that um when Richard Gere was doing the final scene, he hated it. But when he finally did the scene, he <laughs> understands the appeal. And to have that yes. iconic instrumental theme lifting Deborah Winger in the air in his Navy whites, you can't help but tear up, you know? Nice. That's great. Those are great examples, Dean. Those are good examples. And All right. Tear them out. <laughs> How about you, General Zod? Okay, well, there's there's a couple that I can think of. The one that, like, actually drew this to mind, and it may not be, like, a particularly well-known or super famous scene. It's just that, just one that I happened to see recently, and it kind of, like, stuck out at me. And I was like, huh, that really works. Is um, I've been re-watching um, the first, uh, well, I'm currently in the middle of re-watching the first season of The Umbrella Academy because I want to, you know, get caught up before I see season three which came out a couple oh, nice. weeks ago okay and um there's a scene where they first introduce number five and um number five mm-hmm. is you know the little boy has been lost in time and everything right and they they first in like they first show that something is not is something is unexpected with him when he's at the coffee shop and he's asking for coffee and like these like time traveling assassins come to uh, come to kill him and he just completely unloads on them while they're playing uh, Istanbul not Constantinople by they might be giants oh wow <laughs> it's just, it just works so well it's like perfectly choreographed to that really really crazy weird song like it you know not crazy weird but like super silly and kind of kind of retro but like with um you know and it's like i've always really loved that kind of um uh what's the word i'm looking for like i won't say dissonance because dissonance is a entirely different musical concept but um you know there's just like this kind of like ironic uh duality to to having Mm. that with such a such a silly song that's a good word duality yeah yeah and then the other one is um, actually very well known, but it's from 
you know, a particular director who uh, turned musical soundtracks into kind of an art form and kind of an integral part of his work. And that's uh, Quentin Tarantino. And like, you know, you know, the first time, like, you know, you cannot, even though the song has been around since like the the early 60s, you cannot hear Miser Lou without thinking about Pulp Fiction. It's possible. Yes. Yeah, so that's a good one, man. I don't think there's anyone on earth who, I mean, at least anyone who's seen Pulp Fiction, who's actually watches movies that would love, love Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And that's one where he took a song that had existed for a long time, and it's a great song, and he pretty much made it his own. And it's like so associated with that movie. That and this is the one where. Uma Thurman and John Travolta are dancing to. Correct? Oh, no, no. Miser Lou is the surf guitar song. The one that oh, opens okay, up. Okay. That's when they, you know, everybody be cool. It's a rubbery. Oh, that, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Any okay, of you great. fucking pigs move and I'll execute every motherfucker. <laughs> what a lucky last one of you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, yeah. gr- guys, this is great, man. I think this is a great time to go to the classic cut because this particular classic cut was uh exactly what the theme was about uh, for this topic zod was just eddie munson's um guitar riff to metallica's master of puppets um and a very fitting um uh for stranger things uh in that particular scene in the upside down world so we're gonna take a classic cut break and we'll be back with more entertainment talk uh the boys uh and other amazing stuff so we'll be Right back here on BTB. And in addition to uh, this great classic cut, Metallica's Master of Puppets, we're also going to hear the great interview that Zod conducted with comic book icons, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti from AwesomeCon 2022. So we'll be right back after that. Everybody, this is Mike the General Zod, and we are here at AwesomeCon, which always lives up to its name. And I'm here with the amazing friend of the show, Lainey, Lainey Fenimore, and her equally amazing sister Reed, <laughs> who's a, a little newer to the cosplay game, but first Comic Con. First Comic Con. I'm yeah. in there. Yeah, and uh, two amazing and beautiful Supergirls to go with my kind of okay, you know, mid-2000s Superboy shirt. <laughs> I love it, though. Next time, maybe we could step it up a little bit, though. Yeah, well, I was, I was going for it. There was a period in, where Superboy, he would just wear, like, a black t-shirt with, like, with, uh, with jeans. Yeah. That's kind of what I was going for yeah, here. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. Good. Just giving you a hard time. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, he would be like, oh, my God, he's here. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, oh my god, they, would, they wouldn't leave you alone. Right, right. Yeah, I can't, I can't deal with crowds, as yeah. you can tell. 
So how has it been with you guys today? Um, today was crazy, but it was awesome. <laughs> um, I got to talk to a lot of people. I got to meet a lot of new people. Um, I got to do a panel with loading snacks, and I was nervous as heck, but uh, it was fun. And I did a meetup earlier. Met what, some people there. What was the meetup like? Like, what did uh, you do? <laughs> there was like five people there, but they were a great five people. And it was a super fam Kryptonian meetup. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a niche, uh, real small niche group there, but it was it was fun. Awesome. Yeah. What about for you? This is your first con. First con, and um, I mean it's a lot, <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun and taking pictures, and I got to get the Supergirl. Supergirl pose down, down. Um, but just seeing Lainey like in her in her zone and atmosphere has also just been a lot of fun seeing it. Awesome. Um, has it been like? Uh, have you got to like meet a lot of new people and like a lot of like get she this? Has, she has met all of my friends for the past eight years yeah. in oh, one okay. day. So. And even just new people, I've gotten on Instagram. They're like, "Oh, can I get your answer?" I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> I'm new to this, but yes, please. Is this something you think you're going to continue doing? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. I would have to pick a new... I couldn't just be Supergirl. She's Supergirl. Yeah, well, if gotta, I did. She's got to get her own vibe. Get my own yeah, vibe. it's a shame there are no other blonde just, superhero yeah. heroines. <laughs> can't follow always in my sister's butt yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think coming here and just seeing her is fun for me right now. But maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe one day. Well, that is so cool. The uh, sure you're a proud big sis. Very proud big sis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's doing well for her first con. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else have you got? Like, uh, are you going to be here tomorrow too? Yes. Uh, I was going to wear another Supergirl, but I think I just saw um, Maverick, new Top Gun movie, and uh -huh. I have like a real um, flight suit with patches and stuff on it. So I think I might just wear that tomorrow. Yeah, I remember. I've seen that. I've seen that on your yeah, Insta. And, yeah, and it's comfy, and I'm covered up, and I can eat all the food I want without <laughs> feeling like my tummy's hanging out. You can wear normal shoes. Yeah, I can wear like boots. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It'll it'll be it'll be a good one tomorrow. Well, rock on! It has been awesome talking to both of you yeah, at Awesome too. Con. And um, you know, should I should I have them do a promo? Yeah. All right. Why don't you guys do a promo for the show? I, I don't know if you. Uh, what does that mean? I, mean, just, I didn't uh, want to say it. What is that? Okay. <laughs> you just introduce yourselves. You uh, say what you know your thing is, and then. Well. Yeah. And uh, and then say you're listening or watching, wait, listening to Below the Belt show or watching. Is it? Click on this. Uh, hey guys, it's Lainey Fenny. We're at Awesome Con, and you're watching Below the Belt show. Rock on! Thanks a lot. Hey everyone, this is Mike the General Zod here uh, from Below the Belt show here at AwesomeCon. And as always, AwesomeCon here in D.C. lives up to its name. And I have the distinct pleasure to uh, talk to Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, two absolute legends in the comic book industry. And first of all, I can... Uh, 
it's a it's a pleasure to talk to both of you and um, I can first of all how's it how's it been today like it's, it's been good I mean you know for cons are coming back right after COVID so it wasn't like crazy today but it was a nice steady busy which we kind of prefer anyway so it was good cool yeah that was nice I got to draw, so it's a good convention. Yeah. And one thing Amanda can do is draw. She's, uh, you probably, uh, she's probably, at least in, in my mind, the thing I, I know you best from is both, well, actually both your work on Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I know there's, uh, like, a ton of other stuff. I mean, like, you know, you can even see in this poster, like, your amazing She-Hulk, your amazing... the. Oh, yeah, Power Girl. Oh, yeah, Power Girl. How could I forget? The boob window. <laughs> so, um, I guess the, uh, one, of the, one of the biggest questions I have is, like, uh, tell, me, tell me some of the biggest projects that you're proud of and, like, stuff you're working on now. Well, I mean, I, I think one of my favorite pro- projects that I've ever worked on is Power Girl, Harley Quinn, and The Pro. Uh-huh. And and some painkiller Jane also, and I know I'm forgetting something because it's the end of the day at the convention. Maybe Vampirella. Yeah. Maybe. And and I'm so tired and I can't remember them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's quite all right because yeah the uh, like one of the ones I'll, I'll always uh, remember and I think you wrote it. It was an issue of Harley Quinn where you kind of stole a, a, a storyline from Fantastic Four with the uh, the cows where you... That's a rebirth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That but... Was, yeah, that was me uh, going back to my Fantastic Four days. <laughs> uh, it's when the scrolls turned into the, yeah, the cows. Yeah, yeah. I kind of did it with another aliens, and then they got slaughtered. Yeah. yeah. Did you get? Did you get? A, did you get a lot of like uh, pushback or? No, I, from you that? know, we, we slaughtered them and they made hot dogs out of it, and then everybody became zombies because they ate the hot dogs yeah. that were made out of aliens. So it was just it was my little love letter to Jack and uh, and Stan. Okay, well that's that is really really great. And speaking of love letters to old Marvel, I mean it's a, a it's a um, it's kind of an understatement to say you're a big reason why Marvel is no longer. It isn't bankrupt, and it's become one yes. thing yes, they, today. They should write me a nice check one day, uh, <laughs> but it will never happen. Uh, but anyway, well, yeah. When we, uh, when Joe and I did Marvel Knights, they were in, cha- they were going in Chapter Eleven. Yeah. And um, so when you're sort of like panicking in, in that space, you kind of will do anything. And one of the things they did is hire us to come in and do Marvel Nights, and they gave us the penthouse of the building on Park Avenue, and. We picked four titles to run with, and it worked out pretty good for them. It put them uh, back in a good place uh, where uh, studios started looking at the characters again. And uh, and then they, then they got bought by Disney for $4 billion. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, and so do you, when you watch uh, any MCU movie, are you like, damn it? No, I, I sit there <laughs> and I, I wait for the credits to see if I have a thank you. Okay. Uh, so far, only one have done it. One movie has done it. Which one was that? Uh... It was actually TV shows. I think it was no, it was a movie. I think there was one of the one of, Hawkeye had on it because it had Echo on it, right? Oh, Joe yeah. and I and uh, David Mack. Uh, oh yeah, I think it was the, the Black Widow movie. Was it? Yeah, the Black Widow yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah, because I was editor on the book, uh, yeah. the Black Widow series from Marvel Knights, which they based Yelena on because she uh-huh. was created in the series yeah. we worked on. Um, but the other ones they didn't. I, I was I waited for Black Panther like the whole movie, and I kept looking for my name. And I'm like going, okay, not only did we co-create some of these characters yeah. in the movie, but I didn't even get a thank you. And I so that was like a nasty phone call I had to have and say, why the hell wouldn't I get a thank you on this? 
And um, yeah, that happened a lot actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, so shame on Marvel. Um, yeah. But they're trying better now. So my name is popping up on certain things. But you know, thank you and a dollar gets you how much? <laughs> exactly. One dollar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, well, would, it would be nice if we you know, were like, I don't know, given a T-shirt or something. You know. Well, there's a there, there's been a lot of talk now about like you know a lot of creators of like a lot of these properties. I mean, they are fighting back. They're getting uh, a lot more credit and. Uh, well, they're not getting a lot more money, so uh, okay. they're getting thank yous. Some of them get a credit here and there. Some get a couple of dollars. Uh, DC's been a lot more generous. Have they? Uh, yeah, yeah. Than Marvel, sure, sure. Um, but it's still like still we we probably make less money than the uh key grip number seven guy oh you know okay. and uh you know and then you watch a movie where it's like they take parts of the comics the screenwriter takes parts of the comics and makes it into a movie but only the screenwriter is credited and not the guys who actually wrote the original stuff if you think about it you watch these movies they're taking like three or four writers things from the uh -huh. comic and then a screenwriter is smashing them together well i think the credit should read screenplay by this guy original stories based on these guys I mean it's just it's it's pretty shameful yeah. how they don't take care of their they people don't, and don't, don't credit respect the creators so yeah. much yeah and the creators are, look Image Comics was a fight pushback Event uh -huh. Comics was a pushback um, these companies have guys that are in comics running parts of them right and shame on them for not stepping up for the creators uh, yeah. so that's why a lot of creators like us, we have to go and do our own things. Because at the end of the day, uh, there is no, there is no retirement, there is no 401k, and there is no medical coverage. No matter how big you become at these companies, so yeah. it's really sucky. I love the people of the movies, but if even one percent of the movie profit was given to creators, we would all be in such a better place. But sadly, that doesn't happen. Well, I mean, there, there, there's always the hope. I mean, yeah, I hope. I guess. You know. Hope is, uh, and what's the other one? Or is it uh, <laughs> prayers and what's the other <laughs> thing? Thoughts and, prayers. thoughts and prayers. Yeah, well, it, it, hope goes along with thoughts and prayers. If you want to put them together into a nice little gift bag, uh, uh -huh. that would be pretty good. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, See, it, we talk about anything. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I did, I, I was kind of curious, like, do you still, like, are you are you still friends with Joe Casada? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Joe okay. and I talk, yeah, we still own Ash and Painkiller Jane together. So, oh, okay. yeah, I still talk. To Joe, I wish I think last time I talked to him, I wished him a happy birthday uh, a while back, and uh, yeah, I mean he's you know he's now he's on to other things. Right? Yeah, he uh, just re he just resigned. I mean, uh, just retired from Marvel. I think Joe's retired. I think he's buying a place in Boca Raton, and he's gonna. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's on to other things. Joe's gonna work in some uh, of his own film stuff and everything. You, you know, creative people just keep creating. Uh -huh. Let's be honest. All the great people we love that are no longer with us were creating till the day they die. So uh, it's an interesting business, for sure. Okay. So, so Amanda, can you tell me about some of your influences and probably probably my uh, my biggest influences um, are my mom and dad because they are both artists. Okay. And there was always art supplies lying around the house, so it was really easy to draw stuff. Were you a comics yeah. geek from uh, oh, as yeah. a kid? Yes. Um, like uh, my first uh, tooth fairy gift was a nickel and a Mad magazine. So, uh, so yeah, I started early, and uh, my my father had wanted to be a comic book artist when he grew up, and kids didn't get uh, encouraged to be comic book artists back in the 1950s. 
But when I decided I wanted to be a comic book artist, uh, my parents were really, really encouraging, which is great. Um, I think some of my other biggest influences are um, Frank Miller, uh, Wendy Peeney, uh, Hillary Knight, who did the Eloise book way back. Um, I know I'm like forgetting a Chuck whole Jones. lot of people. Well, uh, he's my biggest influence. Yeah, Chuck Jones. Chuck I, Jones. I could definitely see the Chuck oh, Jones. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. my biggest influence. You okay. Know? So, so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, you know, put up with my shit. <laughs> no, hey, you know, and, and like I said, let's hope the companies do better. I, I hope hoping is good. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah uh, go ahead. Jane, um, movie, who would you want to play the role? So, I, you know, uh, Perfect World. Actually, I liked, uh, um, oh, I can't remember her name now. Uh, she was in Charlie's Angels, which yes. I, I didn't like the movie, but... Uh, uh, oh, and she oh, played Princess. She played right Princess Diana recently too. That actress, like Kristen. Kristen Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Perfect World. I like Kristen Stewart. Um, but I wouldn't mind if it's somebody brand new because I think I think when it's when it's a new actor, people just know that actor as that character and it feels more real. Like it's like it's tough you, when you put a, a known actor into a new role. You always like, oh, that's that Leonardo DiCaprio as blah 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 or Tom Cruise as. Blah. But when you get an unknown, so I would love that. They I mean, really become the character. Yeah, some so, kind of like Tom Holland type who yeah, just comes just up, and comes out, and I think it like nails the character, and uh, that would be my perfect thing. Though. But I do love Kristen too. I think she would be great. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So, um, if it's possible, uh, could it be possible for you guys to do a promo for our sure, show? Sure. Sure. Okay. So you go. Um, I know what to do. Thanks. All right. All right. Oh, okay. Tough guy. All right. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. My name is Amanda Connor. And I'm Jimmy Pamiati. And we are from Harley Quinn and... Mars. I don't know. Like, we're from <laughs> and Harley Quinn. And Killer Chain and Power Girl, amongst other things. Like the pro. And yes. you are watching... Below the Belt. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Wow. Master of Puppets, dude. This set... The particular song, Master Puppets, was also featured in Old School, one of my favorite comedies with Will Ferrell and uh, Luke Wilson and Vince Vaughn. Do you remember that film, Zod? Of course I remember that. Yes. (laughs) One of my favorite, favorite films. That was during that period where all of these, like, amazing comedies came out. Yes. Absolutely. You're nailing the head. Amazing comedies because I really feel there hasn't been an amazing comedy film um, since that that time in in the early 2000s, right? Yeah, the early 2000s. Crashers, Hangover. Those films are just phenomenal. And I think there hasn't been a comedy movie that has kind of like reached the level of, of, of an old school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been lots of great comedies since then. It's just that like, yes. you know, nothing that like kind of, um, and it, that kind of ties into what, what I was saying earlier, um, earlier on the show about how like our, um, at least personally for me, like, there was a time where something like that would come out and I'd make sure to see it in the theaters and I don't anymore. <laughs> and I should, I should <laughs> right. get back to that. 
you know, like I'm super excited to see the Thor Love and Thunder, Love and Thunder. <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. But like, you know, part of me sees myself and I'm like, wait a minute. The only movies that I ever bother getting up off my couch to go see, like and actually like go somewhere to see are superhero movies and sci-fi. the occasional sci fi. Right. right. <laughs> and uh, because it's all about the big blockbuster uh, yeah. experience with being in a theater with the fancy surround sound and the amazing screen. But yes, the the movie theaters for comedies for other genres have not been as um, as prevalent. Mm-hmm. Yes, but um, this actually kind of segues into uh, the next thing is about a film that that should definitely go straight to Netflix, um, and it's other Netflix stuff, and that's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, animated film. They just dropped the trailer. And you know what's interesting? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in this particular iteration, you can really tell the differences between Leonardo and Donatello because they're different, like, sizes and shapes. You know, they're distinctly different, not just the color of their headband, you know? <laughs> so they give them a little bit more distinction. You know, you know? It's, you know what's funny from the original comic books? They didn't because they were all in black and white. The right. only way to tell the tell them tell uh them tell apart. that they were different was from the weapons they were holding. Right. <laughs> that exactly. Was the, that was the only way that you could know. Because yep. if they put them if they put them down in the comics, you'd be like, okay, that might be Donatello, that might be Raphael. Yep. And uh You're absolutely right, Son. Yes, and it's Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh drops August fifth on Netflix. And another big movie on Netflix um, is Chris Evans with Emily Blunt uh, in a movie called Pain Hustlers. So uh, this is a film that was um, the hottest sale at the Cannes market um, for $50 million. Wow. Jeez. Chris Evans um, with like the little mailman mustache, the little cop mailman mustache. Is that is that the one? That yeah, it... no, I'm, I, I think you're right. But the log line is basically... Dreaming of a better life for her and her young daughter, Emily Blunt's character of Liza Drake, a high school dropout, lands a job with a failing pharmaceutical startup in a yellow yellowing strip mall in central Florida. Okay. Liza's charm, guts, and drive catapult the company and her into the high life, where she soon finds herself at the center of a criminal conspiracy and deadly consequences. Okay, um, I'm not sure if that's the uh, the film you're thinking of, uh, Zod. But uh, oh wait, I'm thinking of the Gray Man. That's oh Gray Man, yeah, yeah. That's already out on Netflix. This one, uh, yeah, is upcoming. Yeah, um, Kim Cattrall uh, has a series on Netflix called Glamorous. Well, she'll play uh, makeup mogul Madeline Addison, a veteran in the golden age of supermodels. Um, so uh, another a series that I'll probably be skipping. <laughs> Just going to grab on that one. HBO Max has a couple interesting ones. Um, Issa Rae's from Insecure has got a new show called Rap Shit. Okay. Um, and... Uh, Interestingly enough, it's spelled S-H exclamation point T. <laughs> the series follows two estranged high school friends um, who uh, reunite to form a rap group, forming a new bond along the way. 
Okay, so it's produced by Issa Rae. So, yeah, the, the trailer looked pretty fun. Um, also, they're bringing back Pretty Little Liars, and it's called Original Sin. So it's kind of like a reboot of the original series uh, where a masked assailant who is hell-bent on making a new crop of teenagers pay for sins committed by their parents two decades ago. Um, and uh, you can see trailers for both those series um, out now. And if you're a fan of The Time Traveler, canceled by HBO after one season. Um, you seem disappointed about that to hear that one, Dean. Were you a fan of The Time Traveler? I was getting used to it. I mean, it's a little bit better than the movie made back in the day with Eric Banya and um, Rich McAdams. Right. Okay, so uh, are you disappointed to hear that that's getting canceled? A little bit. I was really want that was show actually I was really digging into, but I guess yeah, one season it was enough. Wasn't enough, right? Crazy how these uh, crazy big budget um you know sci-fi time traveling series. Um, another one uh, that comes to mind is the one with um, Rosamund Pike. That one got canceled, I believe, after one season as well. I think um, the name's escaping me. Um, yeah. Wheel of Time. I think. Oh, Wheel of Time. Yeah, yeah that was uh, actually, actually, I can't say that much about it since I never actually watched more than the first like twenty okay. minutes of the first okay. episode. But it seemed like it would be good. Now it's always like meaning to come back to it, and I never did. And it looks like it's been canceled, so which is a shame. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're almost done the list, guys. Number fifteen, uh, the boys. Let's talk about the penultimate episode. That's episode seven. We got a little bit of a backstory of Black Noir, um, who pretty much was a, an enigma the entire uh, series run so far, right? So we didn't really know much about him, but uh, apparently during episode seven, Noir is hiding at an abandoned children's restaurant called Buster Beavers after running off from Vought. And learning that Soldier Boy is still alive, um, and uh, he gets all these like animated pals uh, to help him face Soldier Boy by um, Soldier Boy's uh, fears by recreating the event that made him so completely terrified of Soldier Boy in the first place. Um, and it's interesting, you know, revealing who Black Noir is, and um. Yeah, because we don't know much about the Black Noir character, and we still kind of don't know much about him, you know, even after this particular episode, but maybe a little bit more, Zod, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't actually seen the episode yet, so I can't really speak to it I see. much, but it's a, um, yeah, it's, uh, I've been meaning to uh, catch up with the boys, and I have not yet, so. That's okay. Well, um. Oh, you saw the important episode. That's Herogasm. <laughs> <laughs> How wild was that one, though? Yeah, that was that was crazy. That, that was insane. Insane. Uh-huh. That was that matched how insane it was in the comics. In the comic, well, actually, in the comics, it's even crazier. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, they changed. Um, you know, I think in uh, in the show, like Homelander is just kind of like just shows up at the end. He's and he doesn't actually like take part in herogasm. And in the comics, he's definitely an active participant. <laughs> it seems like he would because he's like a big freak. Yeah, um, with but... Soldier Boy, because they, you know, <laughs> he, he effectively 
like Soldier Boy in the comics, at least Soldier Boy wants to join the seven and uh, Homelander um, promises him he will if Soldier Boy would do some stuff for him. Basically, fuck him. <laughs> so, so you know why you can't uh, have that in the show because of the big reveal. Yeah. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that uh, Homelander apparently is the son of Soldier Boy. Yeah. And um, if that's the case, um, yeah, basically the biological father. So if that's the case, you cannot have those two participating in Herogasm together because that would be really, really wrong on so many levels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Instead, let's have a battle after the Herogasm, you know, craziness, you know, and basically because of what Soldier Boy did and, you know, uh, basically incinerated the, the twins. Right. The Herogasm episode. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Jensen Ackles is playing quite the character um, of, of Soldier Boy in, uh, in this season. So I'm really looking forward to this finale this Friday to see how it's all going to wrap up. Um, but one other thing that we should mention is the budding romance between um, Frenchie and Kimiko. Uh, as um, we did see them uh, kiss uh, in episode seven. So kind of uh, hints uh, the future of those two characters. Um, was that the case in the comic book? Kim- no, Kim- actually, Frenchie? that. Well, they do. Uh, they do show. Frenchie and Kimiko. Um, Frenchie's a pretty different character in the comics. He's he's played up entirely as comic relief, and he's okay. like, you know, because they 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 pretty much amp all these like French stereotypes to like eleven with him. Ah. And uh, but yeah, he does get close to Kimiko. So yeah, I mean there is. Okay. But they don't, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. They they kind of like imply in the comics. It's more of like a father-daughter kind of relationship than uh than in the show which uh i mean at least most father-daughters are maybe not like donald trump and ivanka but um (laughs) (laughs) right but i I still i'm just my mind is blown that uh that soldier boy is the biological father of of the improved vot star homelander Mm -hmm. um and um you know i definitely did not see that one coming um then again i haven't read all the uh of the comic book slash graphic novel um was that the case in the comic book as well zod no no that's entirely from the show interesting wow so like i said they 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 set up where where homelander would manipulate soldier boy into having sex with him during every hero right so that would be completely (laughs) wrong if they did that that in the comic completely wrong (laughs) (laughs) it's such a it's just the show is so dark yeah just like when soldier boy and uh took out that that priest and nun i was you know i was really uh it was a little it was a little disturbing for me i i might have to draw the line on that one um, and i don't get too uh i don't get too off put that easily when it comes to television but that definitely definitely was disturbing man you'll see it's on in episode seven um but uh if you're a fan of the show night sky on amazon that show also was canceled um just over a month after the show's launch wow it did so bad this is 
J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacex series. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 tough to sometimes to make a, a very successful, uh, you know, um, sci-fi show. Um, yeah. And there's just so many options. So many it, out there, yeah. yeah. And it becomes it becomes hard. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot. I mean, Night Sky looked interesting. It it had a very yeah. premise. Did you see it, Dean? In. I did see a couple episodes. Yeah. What? Well, what? Yeah. Was was this one uh, deserving of getting the cord cut, or you think it deserved a, um, a chance? I feel it deserves a chance. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's got a cool premise, you know. They learn that a chamber is buried in their backyard, um, and it leads to a strange, deserted planet. Um, the, the premise is awesome. I think it's really cool, but it just failed to attract viewers. So, uh, man, not getting a second season. All right, so this series on Apple TV um, could be interesting. So this is uh, Godzilla and Titans. Um and it's going to star Pachinko's Anna Sawai, uh, Kiersey Clemens, Ren Watabi, Joe Tippett, Elisa Lasowski. Um, and, of course, they're expanding the MonsterVerse to TV. WandaVision's Matt Shankman will direct the first two episodes and be executive producer. So this is a... Um, this is set after the aftermath of the battle between Godzilla and the Titans at Rex San Francisco. So, um, okay. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, a, a series tied into the Godzilla, um, movie franchise. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're kind of taking a note from, uh, Marvel, you know, to throw some, uh, television, um, you know, in conjunction with their films. Um, and, uh, on network television, that's number 17 on my list. Uh, they're celebrating the 30th anniversary of beauty and the beast with a hybrid broadcast special. Definitely. One of my favorite Disney animated films was the original beauty and the beast. Um, so you're going to see uh live never before seen musical performances, brand new sets and costumes inspired by the classic story. Um, so that should be really, really, really interesting. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, speaking of Disney, which is number 18 on my list, they just um, revealed um, the reimagined Splash Mountain ride last Friday. Um, and it's called Tiana's Bayou Adventure. And this will make its debut at Disney World's Magic Kingdom and Disneyland in late 2024. And it celebrates the characters of the Louisiana setting of The Princess and the Frog. So... Basically, the experience itself is a sequel of the film, and it's Princess Tiana, Naveen, the loving, jazz-loving alligator, Louie. Um, and, of course, um, this is due to the fact that the original Splash Mountain um, was tied to the Song of the South, and, of course, that was very, very controversial. Mm-hmm. Um and of course, there were ongoing petitions back in 2020 to have the right change, and Disney took action. Um, and yes, it uh, was the character Briar Rabbit, um, whose story is told by the Song of South character Uncle Remus. Um, and he was on the plantation in the Reconstruction era of South. And uh, apparently, um, a lot of uh, 
racist caricatures with a lot of the characters in the Song of the South. So they had to take action, you know, and um, I'm for it. I'm totally for it. I know uh, Chachi has a different uh, opinion on it um, because according to Chachi's research, he felt like that that the film, uh, the Song of the South, had did not have any of those undertones, and he, based on his research, feels that if anything was making uh, the characters appear as protagonists, as strong characters, and 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 uh, thinks that a lot of people are very uh, very much overreacting. But I don't know, Zod. What do you think? Well, it's um, it's it's kind of tough because. I do see where where Chachi's coming from, where, you know, he's because, um, I mean, the characters are protagonists and they they are like, you know, the all of the stories about Br'er Rabbit, which uh, go far before that movie came out. I mean, they're all about him um, being able to, like, outsmart everyone, outsmart the uh, the. Um, you know the all of the predators and thing and things like that but there's i mean there's still a lot of a lot of the um the tropes that are used in the movie though like even if they weren't um even if they they weren't um problematic or and i'm not i'm most certainly because i'm not african-american i most certainly am not a person i'm not an expert you know and i shouldn't actually you know it's not my place to like really say whether that's uh that's something that's um you know that's offensive or anything like that or not and um and and that the whole point of it is that it's been collectively decided that you know these are stereotypes they've been done over and over again and right. that you know they cause like legitimate pain to some people and right. if that's the case then like why you know why keep it why keep it in this way you keep it if, if, if you're going to keep it if you're going to keep it for anything, you keep it as an artifact for, you know, showing, you know, this is something from an earlier time that we... They don't even want to do that. You can't yeah. find it on Disney Plus, or I don't think you can find it anywhere. Um, nope. Dean Rogers, do you, do, you have, um, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, um, I'm glad that, as an African-American, they put it in a more positive light because when I saw part, bits and pieces of the film when I was much younger, right, I liked it. But once I got older, went to a historical white college, studied the film, it changed my mind. And okay. the reason why, because it glorified the South for one thing. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Number because, two... Right. Yeah. There's the black vernacular, mm-hmm. and this was 1946. Right. Well, I mean that 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 also brings up an interesting point because. Hold on, I'm not. I'm almost done. Okay. And number three, they made the plantation style as far as an African American more like it's peaceful, it's happy, it's 
we're having a good time. But Great reality, point. no. It was rare an African American ever experienced that lifestyle in the 1800s. We all know about the atrocities that black people have gone through during right. that time. And those are the reasons why I I even and I rode the ride when I was a kid. So it was kind of like as a young kid, it's Disney. But when you get to those undertones as an adult, you can't escape it because it's part of our history and we don't want it to be whitewashed to say it's happy time. It's never happened. There's no slavery. There's no slave tied to it, but yet right. there are. Yeah, but it was during that time and it wasn't all peachy keen during that time. And I, yeah, I look at America yeah. 1946. Me. Even though the song, I think it won, I think it was either nominated for an Oscar or won the Oscar for Best Picture. Great and all, but look how much struggles black actors had to go through for almost two decades before we were really, truly recognized for our talent in television and film. And going Forward mm-hmm. from the 60s when Sidney Poitier won his Best Oscar Actor, look how long it took for Hollywood right. to gain much of that recognition. We didn't get our really good recognition until the 90s and the 2000s. Yeah. And yet, for Hollywood's, Hollywood's um, acceptance of black actors doing a great job, mm-hmm. it's a long way to go. And even when you do the slave films of the 21st century, a lot of things, they're getting right. And they're showing those atrocities, especially with um, 12 Years a Slave. There's a slave. Django Unchained to a certain comedic bit. Mm-hmm. But we can never escape. That and that was film whole... with Cynthia Riva too. Yes. Harry, thank you. For, for Harry, thank Harry, you. Especially yeah. since she was a top star at um, a Capital Cap- 4. But yeah, we cannot escape the atrocities that black people had to face and endure all those centuries ago. Wow, so that, was... that Disney made the decision to move forward. But as far as we're overboard it, no, we're not. How can we overboard something that there are still undertones still? Almost 80 years to the almost 80 years since that movie, that black people still have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I I appreciate you okay, uh, being I'm, candid. So, no, I, I really it's, appreciate it's, that. It's actually really yeah. really it's great to see like especially since that is something near and dear to you and obviously you know because that I'm glad you could talk uh, about it, Dean. And and glad that you could put up such a an, an impassioned you could talk about it in such an an impassioned way mm-hmm. i do um like like how do you feel about like you know because these are examples of um like how do you feel about like you know the decision to get rid of them entirely instead of keeping them as like artifacts as like reminders as to where we've how far we've come or how far we haven't come. 
as opposed that's to canceling. A, that right? is a um, that's the thing I've always thought about, especially when songs at the South, because I do applaud that what some of the streaming networks have done. I would say in the last three or four years, when they show the cartoons from Disney and mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, that they put a disclaimer that mm-hmm. this was a product of that time, time right. yeah, they not that, reflect. Yeah what society is now. Well, I so mean, if I, I've they do that have. now and show why people are still upset, mm-hmm. but don't take it away. Don't just hide it under the rug because God knows maybe 10 years now, 25, a hundred in the years from now, it's going to be available, especially with public domain. Right. It takes 75 years. And right. I think, Either they're close to it, yeah, they're very close to it, to the point where it may be public domain. And And especially, especially since like there are segments of our society where we're backsliding, like you know, there's a lot of going on. Especially the past two years, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and um, yeah, so that's a that's a very good point. The thing about the black vernacular. I always get a little uncomfortable with um, because like I never really it's hard for me sometimes to to see like I mean, did you feel like it was the black vernacular that was used? And obviously you didn't live during that time. But like the the only way I know like that kind of vernacular is from like books and movies. And like so I have no idea whether it's authentic or not or if it's just. No, part of it is unfortunately authentic because you know some african americans never got that education Mm -hmm. unlike a lot of people from generations since then right that they speak without missing words and on one of the samples i had to remind myself especially um when i watched the play recently was to kill a mockingbird at the candy center i had to remind myself that the play even though the book was written it came out in the 60s. This was played back in 1930, about 1938, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I had to remind myself that some of the dialogue that I'm going to hear from a black character is not going to be the same vernacular of an African-American of my time. Of course, of course. And that's and my, uh, my education and my ability. Right. So I had to I had to separate myself and my way of thinking that that's right. This is how some african-americans talk back then mm-hmm. yeah and wow for some and for me it's sometimes hard because it's like here i am very educated went through 12 grades of school went through college was able to speak pretty well and it sometimes did. it sometimes it sometimes hurts me because of the education that African Americans were not allowed, right at that time, and especially it's sad that here we are in 2022, where we still have to deal with some counties and unfortunately some states that want to take away that part of our history, yeah. that want to take that want to force us still back, and that people believe some people. Which, thankfully, living up here in Maryland, D.C., Virginia, I never had to experience that 
stereotype, but whenever I travel down south, sometimes I still have to think in back of my mind that some people will think I'm stupid, that I don't know better, that I don't have a brain in my head, and that they think that I'm a gangster or I'm got chilled out of wedlock or I've done drugs or I've sealed mm-hmm. or anything, which none of that right. ever in 41 years of my life. Yeah. I mean, I I know what you mean because, like, there's lots of people who see me, especially after 9-11, think, oh, this guy must be an Islamist terrorist. Yeah. And so it's a... Mm-hmm. Uh, and Al, you undoubtedly, you know, as a, as a Filipino man, you uh, like, especially like there was yeah. big anti-Asian sentiment uh, after COVID. After um, COVID, yeah, yep. Um, although a lot of people still have to guess what the hell I am uh, sometimes, which kind of helps well, me as an actor. Yeah, that does. Yes, that that, that sort that, of ambiguous ethnicity does help you a little bit. But yeah, I, I was definitely sh- struck with very. Lots of sadness reading about, you know, like like Karen Fukuhara who plays Kimiko on uh, on The Boys was was harassed and and uh, not only that, countless of of Asian men and women just just right. Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran was a big example. Yeah, right. right. Kelly so, Marie Tran from Star Wars. Who, oh my gosh, when I read some of those comments, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yep. Yeah, it's 20. It's in the 21st century and people still have a problem. If it's not white, if it's not a man, not white male or not female, they don't mean shit. They can't be the hero. They can't be the villain. They can't act. They can't be in a Star Wars film. Moses Ingram. Very what similar situation. Right. Played Siva. Um, a lot of like very ignorant people got into her DMs and uh Made made um you know made those weeks very miserable for her that she actually you know struck back and 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 posted some of those uh, horrible horrible DMs that that she was receiving and uh, yeah and it's that and you know she's and she's one of her own she's a Marylander Baltimore 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 like, school for the arts okay who's I, when I read this post, I go who's fucking ass I want to kill today right exactly Seriously. so <laughs> so there you go so that that's uh. That's a cheery That's note. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's move uh before we uh yeah it's it's very yeah, soapboxy. Before, before we go before we start reading comments, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get this person today. We get at three o'clock. <laughs> right. <laughs> Brad Stockles nice. prepared. You'd be happy to know there's only two more things on my list. Number nineteen. Um, I can't escape Amber Heard and Johnny Depp news, but uh, apparently now Amber Amber Heard is asking a judge to toss the verdict in the defamation trial. Citing several factors, including the possibility that one of the jurors wasn't properly properly vetted. All right. Apparently, um, yeah. So apparently, um, this uh, particular juror wasn't vetted. I guess they're calling this juror a fake juror. Um, this is juror number fifteenth. Uh, apparently, um, the the juror. The question is whether Juror 15 specifically um, properly received the summons for jury duty and was uh, was vetted by the court to serve on the jury. So um, I 
you know, the most of the the vetting for a jury, that's entirely done. Mm-hmm. That's entirely done at the discretion of the two attorneys. It, it, that's entirely done. Yeah. You know, they, they come to agreements as to like who they want on these juries. It's like right. in a lot of them, it's almost like a draft. Where like you know one chooses one and or like a schoolyard uh you know picking teams for a schoolyard game and um yeah so that's really absurd i mean the the whole thing they're nitpicking because you know it's i mean obviously she's she's grasping at straws because grasping that's exactly what is grasping a lot of money it's a lot of money it's probably you know yeah it's, it's probably gonna bankrupt her and yeah, what she got to do with the case she's doing with the um case here in Fairfax. She also got that Australian case that's still yeah. In yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. And it's like yeah. I mean, in part of it, like I can tell you, I wouldn't in a million years want to be on a jury for some high profile trial like this on <laughs> some high profile yeah. case like this. Right. I cannot imagine. You want the judge of- to throw out this. The, the verdict or order a new trial. They're also arguing that Johnny Depp didn't prove didn't prove that the op ed harmed his career. I mean, come on, he lost he lost Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> and he mean. wants to roll in um um um, um oh my gosh, well, Fantastic Beast. Fantastic yeah. Beast, yeah. The, that guy, that character got completely recast. So, mm-hmm. oh gosh, some crazy. And then of course we we mentioned uh, last week that DC's got a lot of. Problems with not only Amber Heard but Ezra Miller, yeah, uh, both due to the public's perception of both of them for very different reasons. Of course, Ezra, you know, he's, you know, he is a hot mess, man. He is definitely he's mentally got a lot of personal mental, problems, <laughs> mental issues, yeah. anger management issues, yeah. apparently a sexual misconduct issues due to alleged grooming. So, um. And apparently the rumor is that they're they're looking into possibly recasting the Flash and they're looking at I don't know if this is what the some of the fans want, but they want it to stay in the non binary LGBT realm is Elliot Page. As the um, Flash? As the Flash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, he should say I don't like that at cabbie, all. Thank you. Yeah, I don't stay on the winning side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. I agree. So you don't necessarily have to shoehorn uh an LGBT uh, celebrity in that role necessarily, but uh, yeah, that 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 does not that role. Yeah, that that does not sit right with me. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm not gonna vote for that one as well. <laughs> and the last thing on my list, um, no one to uh, no one's a wrestling fan other than me, but uh, this is kind of a big get for WWE. It's Logan Paul, YouTuber extraordinaire, recently. Um, Signed is he, with WWE. Is he becoming like a full-time wrestler? Is full-time that he, wrestler, yes. So it, has, this, this isn't just like some celebrity appearance on like... No. So the thing is like he proved himself at WrestleMania, which I attended live in Dallas, that he can work in the ring, fell in love with it, and now he signed a deal with uh, WWE for, for, I think, a multi-year contract. And uh, apparently he's probably going to con- continue his... Uh, his view YouTube with thing. the Miz, yeah, he's well. The YouTube, I don't think, is going to go away because that's just marketing for both. I mean, you know, WWE can promote his YouTube page, and I mean, he'll only get more followers from from doing that. And I'm sure that was a very, very important point when he signed the contract that he would still be able to do his YouTube show because, uh, yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, that's a big get. So you're going to see uh, um, uh, Logan Paul at the upcoming SummerSlam pay-per-view. But uh, uh, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view was was uh, pretty exciting. I mean, Liv Morgan not only won the women's uh, Money in the Bank ladder match, she also cashed it in. Uh, taking a very taking on a very vulnerable Ronda Rousey after she won her match against Natalia and uh, rolled her up for um, a three count. Uh, as you know, the one money in the bank, you can cash it in any time and um, challenge the current champion uh, of your choice. So uh, I think Liv Morgan definitely deserves it. She's the current uh, SmackDown Women's Champion, and I, I'm not really happy with who won. The men's money in the bank ladder match, and that's uh, Austin Theory, now going by Theory. He was kind of like the surprise entrant into this, but the guy's getting super pushed. Um, and I don't think he's that great yet. I think he still needs time to develop, you know? Um, so he lost the U.S. title to Bobby Lashley earlier in the night, and then he end, ended up going, uh, being the surprise entrant into the men's money in the bank ladder match. And he wins the whole damn thing, man. It's crazy, dude. Uh, I just, I don't know, dude. Uh, so clearly, he's very possibly he could win the um, WWE Championship. But, um, you know, he's got a rematch with Bobby Lashley uh, for the U.S. title at SummerSlam. But the main event is Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar in a last man standing match. Um, we've seen this match before, but, you know... Uh, I don't know. Um, but another uh, celebrity tie-in is Pat McAfee, a podcaster, former NFL kicker, and now SmackDown commentator, will be uh, wrestling Happy Corbin at the upcoming uh, uh, SummerSlam pay-per-view. So that's all I have for uh, WWE. And, uh, of course, uh, rest in peace um, shouts to those that sadly are no longer with us. Uh, Peter Brook, a British theater film director, two-time Tony Award winner, um, known for uh, his work on the 1963 movie Lord of the Flies. Sadly passed away. Uh, Ni Kuang, a Hong Kong writer behind the sci-fi novels, as well as 300 screenplays, including uh, Bruce Lee's uh, Fist of Furies and The Big Boss, sadly had died at the age of 87. Alex Law, one of Hong Kong's most accomplished filmmakers, passed away um, at the age of 69. Um, directing credits include Echoes of the Rainbow. Um, Patrick Watson, veteran Canadian actor, um, TV host of CBC Radio Canada, that passed away at the age of 92. And I really was hoping not to talk about any um, mass shootings uh, for a while since the last two kind of just really just completely just was man just well don't worry after after the most recent supreme court case for um (laughs) you'll have plenty of opportunity to (laughs) well this one really is is super sad Uh, yeah this is the highland park illinois Mm -hmm. a fourth of july uh celebration that left um well according to this article six but now i believe it's seven uh have have died and uh actress rachel brosnahan is actually from highland park and she um, she said she's very, very um, sick to her stomach every time news like this comes out. Um, and just, you know, call your family and friends to make sure everything is okay. And if you didn't know, Richard Marks is also from Highland Park, Illinois. Richard uh, Marks said, um, my heart is 
always broken by these constant mass shootings, no matter where they occur, but I'm actually heartbroken. Um, in particular, the one that really just, just really heart shattering and really emotionally hit me was um, the parents of this two-year-old boy. Kevin McCarthy and his wife, Arena were among the seven people that died. Um, the two-year-old uh, was just running around, uh, just no clue, I guess, as to what happened. And apparently um, Kevin, the father, was shielding him, protecting him from um, the gunman. Um, and, uh, you know, sadly uh, perished protecting his own son. So, um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, rest in peace to all those that have tragically lost their lives to that. So. Man, that's tough, man. I, I, I just don't. I don't think it's ever going to end, guys. I, I, I don't know what we need to do to control these mass shootings. It's just, it's horrible. It's so horrible. Hey, we're in a country that doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Australia took one mass shooting in '96. Australia only has one mass shooting, and that's it. One big mass shooting in Port Arthur, '96. The next and the next few days passed the bill. Mm-hmm. Got rid of those guns. Haven't heard a mass shooting since. Or New, New Zealand and in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. You know, that too. That. It's the it's a la- very lax about um, you know, the Second Amendment. Um, anyways, with definitely celebrate life, guys. Um, congratulations to Quentin Tarantino, who you mentioned earlier, Zod. Him and his wife uh, Daniela Pick have welcomed their second child, and uh, the name of the child is Leo, named after Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> And looks like Travis Barker is going to be okay. Um, apparently he and was Carl awesome. Santana, too. Oh, I didn't know about Carl Santana. Yeah, he um, collapsed on stage recently during a concert last week. And last I saw, he is getting better. Oh, thank God. That's so so good to hear that. But in Travis Barker's case, he had severe life-threatening pancreatitis mm. after uh, undergoing a... Um, an endosc- endoscopy where they removed a small polyp and apparently it, it, it damaged um, the pancreatic drainage tube and that resulted in, the, in, in that emergency um, hospitalization. But um, he was released and hopefully uh, he's going to be okay. Um, and happy birthdays for those celeb- celebrating a birthday on um, July 6th include the original, the original Robin, Burt Ward, he is a uh, 77 today. Mm. Happy birthday, Sly Stallone, 76. Mentioned Rocky earlier. I had a tiger. Uh, actor Jeffrey Rush is 71. Actor Brian Pasein from Just Shoot Me's 56. 50 Cent is 47. The Maori sisters T and Tamara are 44. And Kevin Hart, yes, 43. The great Kevin Hart, man. Mm. Tia and Tamara are 44. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's <Isn't> that insane. <laughs> you know, and Kevin Hart, relatively new celebrities around the same age, but uh, yeah, we're we're more like taken aback by the Maori sisters because they started when they were very young. Yeah, sister, sister. <laughs> <laughs> So that's uh, it for Below the Belt show. Um, I'd like to thank, of course, our amazing panel, starting with Dean on the scene, Rogers from the Rogers Review. Thank you so much uh, for joining us here on BTB. Of course, we have to check out shore-leave.com. Uh, and don't forget my site, too. And of, 
Chris Review.com. Review spells R E V U E, where, since you mentioned Shirley, you can read my interview with Brandon Ralph. Wow. To next week. Yes. So it's already available on uh, the Rogers Review, your, your, your interview with Brandon Ralph. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very cool, Dean. And of course, that's right. He is the one and only, the man with the calming presence, the Persian prince of pop culture, uh, the one and only Mike the General Zod. Yeah, it's uh, always a blast being here. I, um, Al, you and I have talked about like I don't I don't have like cool things to promote right now, but right. Uh, you know maybe maybe like you know something we've been talking about maybe I will eventually. Okay, because uh, we know that you're quite the improv aficionado. Yeah, several several courses at the Baltimore Improv Group, which is yeah. been very awesome. And I, and and I had to take a little hiatus for the summer. Uh, ah, taking a hiatus. Some, well, just for a little bit because okay. uh, had like you know <laughs> the cl- the uh, the classes were on the same night as our dogs' classes. <laughs> so, oh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, doggy training is very doggy important. training and doggy training is much more important for a okay. uh, a um, you know harmonious home. But yes, and, and yeah. a new pup that needs to know how to properly poop and pee. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, but yeah, I mean, besides that, I mean, we got to talk about like I do like, you know, whenever I hear you taught you and um, and, you know, all the other assorted actors that we yes, <laughs> that we have on the, the rotating panel I, of actors. I, I, you know, I get that bug every once in a while. And yes, General Zod got a little bit of the acting bug. I love hearing yeah. that. So we'll talk more about it tomorrow. We're, we're doing a BTB movie night to see Thor Love and Thunder. So that should be fun. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow night. Um, so uh, but Zod, you're closing out the show with your interview with Beth Broderick. Fantastic. That's right. She is from Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, that we conducted at AwesomeCon 2022. Uh, Zod uh, did a fantastic job with one of the stars of um, that amazing show. And uh, next week, we have more AwesomeCon 2022 interviews. Ali Dash will be with us. We have a big one next week, guys. We have the Teenage Witch herself, Melissa Joan Hart, exclusive interview on Below the Belt show next week, guys. It's it's going to be exciting. Um, and, of course, uh, The Boys, season <laughs> three, uh, episode eight finale uh, talk. And uh, the Emmys, I think we're going to be talking about the nominees of the Emmys uh, for the upcoming uh, primetime Emmys in September. So lots of great stuff for next week, guys. So on behalf of Mike the General Azad, Dean Rogers on the scene. Rogers Review. I'm Al Celebrity Soto, a.k.a. your host with the most. We will see you guys next week. Until then, peace. Hey, everybody. This is Mike the General Zod from Below the Belt Show, and we are here at AwesomeCon. You know, it's 
It's in the name. So, and I am here with the amazing actress Beth Broderick. Well, thank you. Yeah. Probably most famously known for people our age with um, uh, on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but she has a vast career that uh, has accomplished a lot. And so, first of all, thank you very much for uh, thank you very much for taking the time with us. Of course, my pleasure, my pleasure. And I guess the first thing I'd, I'd like to ask you is, uh, since you know you are known to. Uh, to uh, most people from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, like, wh- how do you like? How do you feel that even many years later, it's like such a part of like the public consciousness? It's such a privilege to be part of something that has has gone on from generation to generation to generation, making people happy and making people laugh. And mm-hmm. you know, we're still pretty much running every day in every country in the world, and that's a phenomenon. I, I so, can. I mean, I could never. Argue argue with that it's it's a it's a gift and it's a pleasure oh that's that's so great to see and like you know you get to you get to come to great events like this mm-hmm. yeah i would love to meet people we're so grateful for our fans and i'm always grateful to be able to spend time with melissa and caroline so it all works out of course what is, what is your opinion, for instance, of the... Like, were you familiar with Sabrina at all before you took the job? I really wasn't. But when they sent me the script, I read it. And I said to myself, well, I'm going to be Aunt Zelda. And it's going to be a hit. I just knew it. I have a... Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a funny little anecdote. I mean, it's... Um, I'll say this. When, when the show came, first came out, you know, I wasn't exactly the target market for it because I was already in, like, high school at the time. I was a high school boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but I remember one of my best friends in high school watched it every week. And for the reason why he watched it, he was like, oh, my God, they're all so hot on there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never forget that. And that is always my, my one defining memory of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. I have a lot of very grown men, even in the beginning, who used to come up to me and say, "Can I? Can I take a picture with it? it, it, it it's for my child." And I'd be like, <laughs> "I don't think it's for your child." <laughs> but yes, you can. Have you? Um, uh, there's a like. Um, what would like any of any other of your vast body of work that you'd like to revisit the way Sabrina's been revisited? Well, gosh, I mean, I've done so many indie movies that I've just loved, and and lots of different series. But I think I think you can only do one iconic series to this degree in a lifetime. Of so course. I'm I'm you know I just finished a miniseries for HBO called Love and Death, and I just finished a movie called One True Loves. And uh, so I, I keep busy, mm-hmm. and I, it's always fun to do something new. I just came back from Kentucky on a movie called The Nana Project. Which oh, I, nice! That's going to be a lot of fun. Is there anything so, you want to say about any of these? Uh, any like any more details you want to get? Well, I think you know. I think One True Loves is going to be huge, um, and I think the miniseries Love and Death is going to be a big hit for HBO. And Nana Project starts, stars Mercedes Rule and Charlene Tilton and all kinds of really fun people. Oh, and that's going to be fun. Fantastic. So. I noticed uh, you actually, like, have you, uh, 
You were you were on a couple episodes of the remake of Sabrina, the mm-hmm. one that came out um, on the the one that's on Netflix. Yeah. And how was that? Like, was it fun to? Revisit? It was super. It was super fun to go there, and they were so excited because they grew up watching the show, mm-hmm. and so it was a really fun experience for all of us, for them and for us. We enjoyed it. Oh, awesome, awesome! And um, I also uh, I was I was pouring through your bio before we uh, you know before we started, and I noticed uh, you were also really active in like you you founded a, um, a um, you founded a charity for AIDS AIDS victims. Yes, in, in very early, it was the second program in the country of its kind. Yeah, called Momentum, and yeah. We provided gifts and, and uh, like groceries and, and and meals and and a way for people to be less isolated because isolation was a huge problem then. And um, yeah, 1984 when I was 23. That is amazing. I mean, I think back to when I was 23 and I could barely get out of my house. So yeah, I mean, I quit like... acting for five years because we had to raise money. And we, I mean, it was really very. Um, it was a very difficult time, oh. but I was grateful to be on the front lines and helping. So, I mean, as long as you're trying to make the world a better place, you can tolerate the pain, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And that is, uh, that's a legacy to be very proud of. I Thank mean, to, you. to think that, especially at that time when AIDS was, I mean, AIDS people was known, but people were terrified. They were afraid, and people, when they're afraid, it doesn't bring out the best in them. Of course. And but there were also so many people that, that stepped up and that gave and that cared. I always say, you know, I was very privileged during that time to know more than my fair share of heroes. Oh, well, so. that is really great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time of course, for us. Of course. If it's possible, could you, um, could you give us a little promo, like introduce yourself, say a little something about who you are and say you're listening and watching Below the Belt show? Sure. Hi, I'm Beth Broderick. I'm an actress, but you probably knew that. You are listening to and watching Below the Belt. Thank you so much. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, goodbye.